Well, I might make I might make a fist like the one in my afro pick and come tenfold strong with the bomb. Dang. Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, whoop, whoop. Yeah, I know. You got that when you were flashing those those dollar bills. Oh, that dancer. God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sticking the dollar bills down the front of dancers' pants. Oh, yeah. Hey, Vegas, everyone. baby. I tell you what, it put a whole new meaning to a fist full of dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Liza, and we are fresh back from Las Vegas at the AIM Expo. We've uh, got some interviews to share, and we're just going to do some general chit-chat, but let's get to who is here in the room. Uh, Joining us is the lovely Douglas. I'm here. I did not go to Vegas. No, but you were the sentinel, Doug. You were the sentinel who stayed behind and kept it all together. (laughs) Somewhat. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Tra-la-la. And of course, that's a sultry tones of Miss Emma. Aloha, darlings. Yes, I had a good time in Vegas. And all that Vegas had to offer. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it offered quite a bit. And also uh, joining us, um, you look like you have sobered up by now. It's Naked Jim. No, actually, I had a, he ain't of, sober. <laughs> had a picture of margaritas <laughs> for lunch. And, <laughs> and I went to Barrakino's for a wee bit of champagne. But yeah. No, relax. Don't do it. So, uh, overall, good trip? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it was a great trip. We, I mean, we worked less hard than we should have, but that's a misfit trait, I believe. Well, A, no one had to get bailed out. <laughs> uh, no one had to get stitches. And no everyone's one, home. No one got married? No. Well, no one got... Although, I did visit the chapel in the Tropicana. Oh. Oh. A beautiful little chapel. It's actually in the gardens. It's not actually part of the hotel. Um, just scope it out for future use. Yeah. Yes. Lovely history at the Tropicana as well. Yeah. You know what? i got to be honest with you, Eliza. I might have a new favorite Vegas hotel. I like the Trop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I thought you were going to get married to the dancer on Sunday morning's Jag Brunch. Oh, so. stop it. <laughs> <laughs> he was beautiful. Mm. Oh, my God. Um, but, you know, I mean, Vegas... Love it or loathe it. I mean, Vegas is a unique place in the world and not by a small amount either. And I think, I think we did the right balance of work and play. Well, let's talk about who went. So, uh, we had quite the crew. We had, oh, yeah. uh, Emma, Jim and I, uh, flying in together. We had Craig and John who drove there with bikes and did dirt biking in the desert oh, wow. along the way and on the way back. And then, uh, Matt from breaking away and cat from layout escapes also flew in and joined us. And then of course, the lovely Phil Waters. Yes, we had a posse. We did. We had a posse. <laughs> that was uh, Phil E. Fresh and the Get Fresh crew. Yeah, so we were all uh, having a good time. Um, went straight to, for me, went straight to the event because I got in in the, in the middle of the day. And it is, uh, I would say from last year, the event got better. I mean, uh, Jim, you went years ago when it was still open to the public. So yep. it used to be open to the public. It would be for dealers in the middle of the week and then the weekend and open to the public. So they had a lot of uh, spaces there selling or catering to stuff, test rides, things well, like that. You know, the test rides were a nice thing. And back then, it was uh, not open to the public during the week. So you got to see people, have a relaxed mm-hmm. time, check everything out. And then it was kind of came alive on the weekends um, with the people. But you'd already seen everything, so it wasn't a big deal. But you could do the test rides, which were nice. 
and since really, I guess COVID, they just make it uh, to the dealers. So a lot of the extra stuff has gone away, and it's it's catered to dealers. Last year when we went, there was. I think was Suzuki was the only major manufacturer there. Yeah. So well, I it all dropped out. I made a, a quite a big mistake, even by Emma standards, because whenever puts a foot in her mouth, it can be quite spectacular. Fire. Um, and we did a lovely interview with Adam from Triumph, which we're going to hear in a little bit. And I said, of course, you know, it was very lean last year. It was just Suzuki who were there. And he's like, no, we were there. And on reflection, I thought, oh, shit, Triumph were there. But the the only one of the big four that were there last year was Suzuki. Um, this year, Yamaha no, were in, Kawasaki no, were in. Last year, no BMW, no Harley, no India. This no. year, some of them came back. So, uh, really, the industry has completely been changing uh, in the last few years. Um, but it was being repopulated. There were more more of the main you know manufacturers. But the biggest difference, as I like to tell everyone, we went to the e-bike show, and they also had some motorcycles. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know, that's not. I, I think that's a bit of a misnomer in the sense that it was still, I think, motorcycle, scooter heavy. Now, the reason the show wasn't smaller than it was last year was because of the e-bike presence, which was right. cool. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll delve into this plenty over the next months to come. But, uh, you know, motorcycles are not e-bikes. But had it not been for the e-bike presence, it would have been a smaller show. Yeah, and I'm not mocking the e-bikes. A lot of the dealers are picking up the e-bikes. And that's a whole other line for well, them to sell. And I think we're still struggling as to what place electric propulsion is going to play in motorcycling. I think if we honestly, truly believe that electric motorcycles are going to replace superbikes like your GSXS. It's very naive and it simply isn't going to happen because it's it's not comparing like with like. Um so we have to kind of find out what electric propulsion with two wheels is going to look like. And truthfully e-bikes might be a huge part of that. Yeah, and I want to clarify when we're saying e-bikes, it's electric pedal bikes, but it's also I'm calling them scooters. Douglas, what do you call the ones that are basically, you know, flat deck that you stand up on? Like a, a scooter. Yeah, yeah, not to be confused with a... Uh, like a Vespa, right? Like right, a Vespa. a Vespa scooter. So I'll call it a stand-up scooter. There was a ton of variation of those. There's that one that Jim was on. It looked like it was built but with an erector set. I kid yeah. you not. Oh, yeah. It's all this girder, truss stuff, single-sided. Heavy I mean, it was weird. Funky steering. <clears throat> yeah. It was um, next to the snowmobile scooter, though. Yeah. And then the looked like a, a, water, a waterborne schemo it's Like stand-up thing. Looking crazy. So not just e-bikes, but then you get the things that are look motor like a motorcycle, like a Super 73 oh. or something like that, you know. And then you get into the ones that look like actual motorcycles, uh, like, like a Ninja Summon or a dirt bike, all electric. And then you get into just in the weirder, the weirder stuff. I wanted right. to talk a second about the weird stuff. I don't even. So these are all Chinese made. Some of them look ridiculous. They're they look like the type of things they'd sell at the flea market. Only you when know? only when Emma sits in or on it. <laughs> yes. like, imagine a half scale uh, um, Orange County choppers chopper, mm -hmm. but with an electric with no motor in the middle. It just has electric batteries on the bottom. It's like, and then there was one that was like a caddy that you put your golf clubs in. So basically, you're sitting <laughs> on a golf 
club I, tube. And the, the worst part of that yeah, was it was, it was metal flake, emerald green, and chrome. All of it. With a spring of front end. All of it. All of it was all of it. You know, and it's, you can't help but wondering, there's no research and development with these things. It's like somebody is describing a bike over a bad telephone line. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's, you get the end result of that. <laughs> if you buy a, a <laughs> shitty frozen margarita bar in Florida, hang this above on the wall. That's right. what it looks like. Um, but anyway. But uh, you know, I stand by what I what I say. It's in five or six years' time. I think we were having this conversation five years ago, and we were saying, "Okay, electric motorcycles are going to look like motorcycles with electric engines, electric power plants." And I'm not entirely sure that's wholly true now. I think it's going to become its own thing. Um, I've never seen electric motorcycles as we know them make the leap from enthusiasts yeah I, and you're right about the enthusiast part i think the other side is the industry sees things changing because they're all making them now right yes. honda had their electric dirt bikes there i think the cr or cf mm-hmm. they call it cf maybe right. i think a little kid version that's very popular to build yeah but then ktm had its live wire also right and then uh, not live wire what, oh, it's a, the Harley one. It's a, the free ride, KTM the free, free, ride. free ride. Thank you. And um, but then you think, and beyond that is like Stark in, or whatever it is, Stark. They've got yeah. their like legit fucking dirt. Oh, your guys, out. Stark Industries. I keep it quiet. Yes, but at the bunker we have been busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think um, in that way the show was showing us everything from the cheapest crap to the the, the gooder stuff in, for electric. And well, mount, we, mountain bikes that are $20,000. Yeah. And when we talk about uh, just Chinese bikes, right? There was the cheap stuff you, you'd buy at the flea market, or you, sometimes you see it go on sale at O'Reilly or something, right? But then there was also um, Kove, right? Right. Um, we did an interview with them. We'll be playing later. Kove is a Chinese motorcycle manufacturer that had three bikes that entered and completed the Dakar rally. Oh, wow. And they, these yeah. are legit adventure bikes. No, for no, well, they're rally, rally bikes. Ra- rally bikes. Rally bikes. Rally bikes. Forgive me. Um, legit rally bikes, and they. Um, I'm not going to say the styling was clunky. They weren't ugly. They, they were simple. They're very simple, Which very of, robust looking, and I think that might have been their saving grace. Um, but yeah, you enter you enter bikes in the Dakar, and you actually place in your class, and you've got something. Yeah, and well, so two things is a the engine maker, and I can't I can't remember the name, but apparently Zhongshan. And are they as good at making motors as they say? Biggest engine maker in the world. So if the power plant is as good as they say it is, the rest of the bike was pretty straightforward. And like to get into a, a proper rally bike for fourteen grand, pretty cool. Yeah, so there was a lot of that weird, like weird stand-up things and um, electric scooter-ish things and scooters. But uh, another thing I want to say, because there was such a, a, a presence, uh, it's interesting. Uh, Chinese in Taiwan for bringing a lot of these electric stuff and for all the parts. Like there was that one booth; it was just carburetors, right? And then Pakistan is where all the leather and, right. and gear goods are coming from. These are companies that will just brand it to your your brand but one thing i noted that i did appreciate because we are pretty critical i think of a lot of these chinese companies and being somewhat cheap and you know not not as legit however i appreciated the styling they're bringing there were some 
very good looking bikes, I think, and unique styling. Well, that that depends on the quality of the telephone line. <laughs> you see, if you're describing over a bad telephone line, you end up something like the golf carrier. But if yes. it's a good telephone line. No, and I agree with you. I mean, I remember having um, a conversation years and years and years ago with Brandon when he was trying to get his own electric bike company off the ground. And he said, look, because um, he was setting up a manufacturing facility in China. And he said, the Chinese manufacturers will do whatever you want them to. You want cheap and cheerful, they'll give you that. But if you want very, very high end, they'll do that as well with a premium attached. And so, you know, I I know that they, it's still a learning curve, but I know they understand quality. I think they misread culture a lot still. Almost every single stand at the show was populated by a very, very sweet but inappropriately dressed (laughs) 80-pound Chinese girl who was clearly terrified of the majority of people. And it just come up to you almost apologetically and give you a brochure. And you'd say thank you and give them a smile. And there's like, you see this look of relief on this face that this person didn't beat me up. So there's there's definitely a misreading of of culture. Um, But, you know, that'll change. Um, yeah, so like I'm just showing Douglas the spike. This is just a, uh, it's a Kiwi. Kiwi. Yeah, never heard of it, right? But that's a 300 cc uh, cruiser, like right? Think bike. of every 250, 300 cc scooter or, or, or you know cruiser on the market, and they all look kind of chintzy. You may think, yeah, the Honda Rebels well built, last forever, but they're kind of chintzy. This looks like a solid heavy cruiser. Yeah, it looks me too. It's a little 302. I mean, anyway, I'm just saying styling, I really liked. So overall, I think we had a great time. We got to meet new people. Um, uh, We got to see old friends and, you know, make make acquaintances with some new companies, some of which we did uh, interviews with. Um, Just want to give people like uh, uh, stay stay tuned to some of the interviews we did. And one of my favorites was a company we've found called kickstands up and i'm going to give credit to craig he found this one and uh kickstands up uh, you'll like this one doug Mm -hmm. it is a website it's free uh you can register or not um but they basically have been populating every motorcycle event in the country be it a race be it a swap meet a bike night a school a track day whatever event it is they're putting it in there so you can go on to kickstandsup.com, put in your uh, city or you know zip code, how far you're willing to travel. And also there's boxes you can check what kind of writing you're mm-hmm. looking into or you can check them all, right? That's cool. And it'll just come up with a list of all the events. And then if you register, and the reason I say you should register, you can add things to your account that if you're interested in it, they'll send you reminders every year when that event is coming or or every month, whatever. And I, I couldn't believe no one else is doing this. Right. And it's, it's so cleverly done because they break it down into dual sport, adventure, cruiser, Harley. Women's. Women's. Trials. Um, trials. Track. Sport, I mean, track day. And so <clears throat> you, you literally, you get onto the homepage, you pick what style of bike or riding you want to do, hit that, and you get all these choices within... F- 
50 or 60 miles or further afield if you set it up that and way. And they were the nicest people. Mm. Oh, they were nice. They could have been the nicest people I met all weekend. Or and week. I was surprised to see our rally is on there. Yes. The Misfits Rally yes. is on nice. their list. Come yeah. one, come all. Hey, which just reminds me, hey, if you want to come to our rally, it is March 24th through 26th out of Hollister Hills. There's going to be dirt riding, adventure riding, street riding. We got it all. We are, we've been selling out spots. Um, so go to breakingawaytrips.com and you'll see the Misfits Rally. Come on out. It's going to be a good time. And you know what? If we get enough people sign up, you heard it here first. Me and Liza. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, oh, are you going to wrestle? We're going to do a drag show. Ooh. Ooh, nice. But only if we get enough people. So there's an incentive. Okay, I will go ahead and order the giant martini glass. Get the giant martini. Well, that's one for Liza to sit in. Yes, and uh, and a truck full of... of uh, Sparkly stuff. <laughs> we'll no, get the cotton dump- candy. Cotton yes, candy. no, we'll get the dump truck full of sparkly stuff. But no, it's going to be great. It's going to be, be a such hoot. a fun weekend. Yeah. Um, it's the Misfits, so you know there's going to be Tom Fullery, Shilly Shallying. And a wee bit of shenanigans. Yeah, and shenanigans and... Um, Yes, lollygagging. Okay, simmer down. Uh, I something, to, something gagging. <laughs> I wanted to get to um, Emma. You did two interviews. Yes, I did. Um, Just ride five. Yes, which is women's uh, right. It's not really gear so much. It is. It's base layers. Base layers, really nice. And this is a company that I've known for years, and I'm glad to see that they're right. really expanding. And Chris, um, co-owner of it, um, very, very good egg. She's great, Australian. Um, and Australian people and Brits, we share a very similar sense yep, of humor. and very much motorcyclists. And, oh, God, bikers to their bootlaces. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, well, they're part of the Colorado GS girls. They're legit adventure riders. Yes. Really cool to see them there for the first time. You also did an interview, as you said, with Triumph. With, and- uh, with Adam from Triumph, and he was mm-hmm. a solid cat. Very, very young-thinking guy, which is what I like, and he was so full of energy, um, so lively. But... Uh, Yes. He told us something we didn't know. You're going to have to listen to an interview to find Oh, out. you bet. We know. We've been trying to get info from him about the dirt bikes that we know are coming, but we found out about something else that's coming. I don't know if he let that slip or not. So make sure you listen to that interview. He kept the cards very close to the vest. He did, but that, that was something that was pretty cool. And then, Jim, you found a very interesting company called Foresight. Yeah, so another helmet company coming out with the latest and greatest technology and kind of a, a, a heads-up display type format where it's not in front of your face, but it's audio and also through your phone. So it's we've covered helmets for yeah. a while, and I thought this was just kind of the next <laughs> the next step in helmet technology. Simplifying the smart helmet. All I know is they said when the cops around, little white and blue <laughs> white and blue lights are going to start flashing your helmet, and literally that's what happens. Yeah. So great interviews. Make sure you stay tuned. But um, first, we've got a little more time. I wanted to uh, share some of the non-motorcycle related stories. Oh, God. I know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's not true. (laughs) (laughs) It ends up on a podcast. I'm I'm ready to throw a book. Careful. We had a good time. We saw shows. We killed zombies. Many shows, many zombies. Um Gosh, what were some of the shows we saw? Um, you and I saw Michael Jackson impersonator. And I'll tell you what, this guy was great. Santana Jackson is from Brazil. And he's a Michael Jackson impersonator and wrestler. 
And Liza actually pulled up his news feed, and um, somebody actually had a go at him last year. Out on the street, a heckler. Oh, what's his record? And uh, he got him (laughs) in a headlock on the floor. He put him in a sleeper hold. (laughs) On the floor, all on film. Yeah. Uh, Of all the entertainers we saw this weekend, I would not fight any of them. Dude, can you imagine just getting your ass kicked by Michael Jackson? (laughs) But he was great. I thoroughly enjoy everyone was having a good time and of course the thing is when you see a tribute act they don't mess around you know there's no like ego oh here's all the songs from my new album which you haven't heard yet and are terrible they do all the songs you want to hear so you know all the stuff from the jackson five he did that all the stuff from the white glove and hat era and the moonwalking oh god he was good at moonwalking um, but I, and I just want to give a plug. One of my favorite places to go there is Area Fifteen. Yes, which is a. It's basically like a mall. It defies that description. All, really, it's like a rave inside a mall, and every business in there is some interactive or VR or cool. art or thing. Um, but Kat and I went through axes, and then five of us went and did a zombie VR thing where we're all in full uh, VR suits in a dark room as a team working. To kill zombies in like this army bunker thing. That sounds fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And actually, you know, VR has come a long way. And it's the weirdest thing because it's kind of clunky. You put on these little pads mm-hmm. on your hands and you put them on your feet. And then you wear this backpack and it's kind of strapped on onto you. And you've got headphones on and the goggles, of course. Mm-hmm. And then you're standing in a room and you're thinking, suddenly the room changes and it changes to a grid. And there's nothing. And then suddenly she'll switch it on. And you look, and there's a soldier sitting next to you in full armored gear. And it mimics the body type. So, you know. You, you look like Brad Pitt. You can tell, you the Brad you, Pitt, you can uh, tell which one was Stumpy you, John. You could tell because he was the littlest stormtrooper. It's uh, hilarious. But mighty. Uh, small but mighty, and it was it was. You, know, you can tell which one was Craig. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Craig, Craig towered over everyone. Right. Because he would he would dunk occasionally. <laughs> yeah, VR's come a long way. Um, but you know, Area Fifteen it really defies description. I my one regret over the weekend is it seems like the more you want to pack in, the less time you have at each. Sure attraction and i would love to visit meow wolf again yeah. but of course we didn't have time well and uh jim you were lucky enough to go on an adventure with phil who took you all to some sketchy uh sketchy tiki bar or yeah, something yeah i will say um <laughs> when you went the next morning when everyone's everyone's like last time i saw you was with phil <laughs> a that is a good thing secondly i will take phil as my wingman every day of the week Thirdly, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and I was so glad to get on the Suzuki today and rip up Highway 1 and and just cleanse my body of, <laughs> of all of Vegas, all the cigarette smoke, well, all the despair. There was There's there's no place like home when it's full of ocean and so redwoods. So I'm going to share something about Jim, um, and um, when we go on a road trip, me and Jim tend to share the same hotel room. Because you know, we're very, very good traveling companions. And oftentimes, when somebody gets a bit or a lot of liquor inside them, the true person comes out. And you can find the nicest people just turn into raging bastards. But Emma me. is absolutely lovely. <laughs> when, when Emma gets a heater on and she comes to the room late at night, yes. um, she is absolutely lovely. Well, and I was going to say this, 
Jim is the perfect gentleman. So on. <laughs> I'm going to share this because you see what, what happens if he <laughs> sees me. No, no, it is woman. so it is woman. so funny. So you know, I'm I'm you know I'm in my sixties now, so I'm not much of one for late nights. So I go to bed at about eleven, and Jim's still out doing God knows what. And then what I didn't realize, I missed a phone call from you at one forty-five. I thought you might be up. Well, there you go. And so the next <laughs> the next thing I know, I went and there's like plonk on the end of my bed and jim's back in the room and he's just sitting on the end of my bed and he's got his head in his hands i think jim and he goes oh i'm sorry emma i didn't mean to wake you up i'm very drunk but i'm going back out again and he just walked out and went out and didn't come back until like 4 a.m this is how but we do it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely the perfect gentleman absolute legend actually though, I, I think mean. that's about when i i got him back because he had left us and went missing so right. we sent out a team to find him he just couldn't what, the, what happened is what happened he, in vegas he, stays no, in vegas y'all all telling tales no no this la, is, la, this la, is la, cute la, la, la. so he couldn't find the restaurant we were in it's cute eliza no it, it was this is inappropriate and he calls me he's like where are you i can't find you but i could see him across the casino floor so i'm literally like controlling him like a robot i'm like Oh, go you. to your right. And he's like <laughs> marching to his right. I'm like, turn left. And he turns left. And I could just see him across the floor navigating. But <laughs> he I was like five feet away from me. Still hadn't seen I me. I think <laughs> the, the, the point <laughs> I wanted you. to make about you, Jim, is that even with a ton of liquor in you, you're still the sweetest guy. You're still fun. Yeah. Yeah, you're great. Um, <laughs> I will we, take we, off my shoe and fight you. Yes. <laughs> we are very, very good traveling companions. And he always takes very good care of me because Emma's a little bit claustrophobic and doesn't like flying, does she? No. Well, well especially when there's ice sheeting off the wings. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a story gonna, for another day. That is a story for another day. The I, ride from hell. What I will say, as Liza's giving me gang signs, is that um, at our drag brunch yesterday, I will say oh, that God. I have, I, I do, I do like my crew. I do like my crew. I, I actually, you know, I was quite proud of us at the drag brunch. I think we held our own quite spectacularly. There was a lot of. You were the most subdued out of all three of us, Liza. I think we might have embarrassed you a little bit. <laughs> All I know is that we, we redefined the meaning of a fistful of dollars. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, no, um, To no, go from the drag brunch to the mob museum. We just went from one spectrum to the other. Good time. But I want to get to these interviews. Yes. Um, listen in, enjoy these, and then we'll meet you on the other side. Here we are at the AM Expo in Las Vegas. I always enjoy this show, but we're the Motorcycles and Misfits, so we always bring you content that's a little more interesting than the mainstream media. And I am with a very interesting lady. This is Chris Briggs. Say hello to our listeners. Well, g'day, everyone. And as you can tell, Chris is from the Antipodean Islands, also known as Australia. Boston. Yeah. <laughs> now, you're being very kind to me because I actually accused Chris of being a New Zealander yesterday. And, oh. Yeah, I know. And that's this kind sheep of, and nervous. Yes, I know. I'm sorry. But um, you're very much involved in the industry. Um, tell us about 
the company that you co-own, and a little bit of history of the company. And once we've done that, I'd love to go into the history of you and your motorcycle. So who are you here representing today? All right, so I am here, part owner of uh, Just Ride 5. This was actually uh, founded in 2017 by Jen Guerriero. She's uh, an awesome lady. She started it because, uh, out of necessity really, there was, um, as a rider, there was nothing for women to wear. She wanted to find something that wasn't just black and pink and pink it and shrink it. She wanted something fun and functional and so she started, you know, she did a couple of designs. Well, it was really just a hobby so uh, I came along and said, hey, can, can we make this really big? And uh, so now we're here. And you mentioned something to me when we chatted briefly yesterday. You were kind of a big noise in industry and you gave it all away to become part of motorcycling. I did, I did. You know, I was working some sort of, some job that was a nine to five and it paid health benefits and it paid really well, but it was miserable. (laughs) But did that give you a background that kind of helped you elevate really this cottage industry? And I should point out, so I want to talk a little bit about... um, just Ride 5 products. Yeah. So you basically the under underlayers, it's a wicking garment, isn't it? And it's a compression garment. Pretty much. So they're actually base layers. So the base layers are um, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, UV protecting. They're super comfortable. Um, they are they do keep you cool in the summer and warm in the winter which is wonderful they have thumb holes can you believe that every chick loves thumb holes put a put a jacket on they're really nice um, they have the extended coverage so on your torso you don't want to have your right. your tush hanging out keep and, you from the sunburn you know we're very very familiar um, at the misfits with wicking garments with vnm products I like yours so much, not least, the thumb holes are an inspired choice. Um, But having ridden in Italy in the blistering hot weather in full leathers with a wicking garment underneath, the value of these things are incredible. And I'm looking at um, the shirts, fantastic designs and bright, vibrant colours. You're wearing one with a um, girl riding a motocross bike. Yeah, this is a dirt biker design. Like, we have so many dirt bikers out there. You know, this is not just for adventure riders or Harley riders, but dirt bikers. You can ride a snowboard, a skateboard, a, a, a horse. You can go you can right, do anything. Anywhere where you're going to be working and sweating and stinking. That's right. And you want to keep the stink down and the sweat down. Exactly. Um, but the most vibrant orange and very much um, female-centric design, which I just love. And they're kind of retro as well, which I kind of like it as is, well. It is. You know, talking about retro, one of our most favourite designs is the Retro Racer, which actually features as someone on a racetrack, uh, a woman on a racetrack. It's and a I cool. Now, well, we'll get to that one. This is an absolutely wonderful, very 1960s. We have purple, lilac, white design of probably a 1960s style woman with oversized sunglasses with a cruiser reflected. It's a wonderful design, very vibrant. Yeah, that's our reflections design. It's pretty cool. So, um... I noticed you have pants as well. Are these part of your range oh. or just somebody's left? You know, so that, that's our prototype. Uh, we've got a pair of pants that are they're hanging up there. We sort of were testing the market. We are only five years young, so we want to make sure that we're um, 
creating products that will suit everybody. So this is just a prototype. We want people to touch it, feel it as they're walking past AIM Expo and tell us what they think. And if we get enough people who love it, then we might right. create it. So where's the company based? We are in Denver, Colorado. Okay, so good central location. Yeah. Now, at this stage, are you, if people are interested in getting your products, can they get them from a retail setting or do they have to go through um, a dealer who's selling your products? They can uh, They can buy directly online from us and that's www.justride5.com. They can also go through our online store which is uh, on Facebook and Instagram or you can go, if you happen to be in Denver, go to BMW of Denver Motorcycles in Centennial and they are stocking our gear as well. Well, hang on because here we have... A BMW shirt, or as I call them, as you know, BMWs. <laughs> but this is a very, very nice shirt. Yeah. It's um, very dark, but it's got a nice... Yeah, so BMW of Denver approached us and said, we want some shirts made for our staff. And so we created these designs for them. Um, they are also, I believe, as every motorcycle that they sell, they are giving one of these shirts to every customer as Can't well. wrong with that. Yeah, it's pretty cool, huh? Well, let's say, how one of our listeners wants to get one of your shirts, there's a couple of choices. Yep. What's the kind of price point for these things? So you're looking at, for the jersey style, like the dirt bike rider or the red ride, it's nice and loose and flowy. You're uh, looking at around $65 for that. For the base layer, which is more of a compression layer that I was talking about with the thumb holes and the zipper and all of those fun things, uh, beautiful designs, you're looking at $85. And if you have never ridden with a compression layer or a wicking layer, it is an absolute game changer in the cold, the extreme cold or the extreme hot, they're an absolute game changer. You go from being a very uncomfortable, miserable biker to somebody who's actually quite comfortable in their skin. You ride a lot, Jim, in all weathers, so um, this would be great for you, but obviously not in these colours, darling. Well, I actually have a question if I could ask. One of the things that attracted me to Just Ride 5 is the vibrant colors in the booth. And I think all of us, at least here, really appreciate art and artwork. And what struck me the most about, because there's a lot of Wiccan layer stuff out there, is two things. A, it's obviously designed for women, right? And women have desperately wanted different choices in clothing, and I think you've done that. But i got to ask, where does the artwork come from? Because the artwork on the shorts is really the what separates it by far from the other stuff I see. Okay, so both Jen and I are wonderful artists. We can draw uh, stick figures like no one else. <laughs> Our brains work over time. Um, honestly, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, she'll send me a text or I'll send her a text like, what about this idea? So we put a storyboard together, uh, we collab on that, and then we'll go to different artists across the United States and say, hey, can you do this for us? And then we try to explain it, what it is that we want. We give that storyboard to an artist, they come up with uh, some different graphics we don't want to have the same artist doing the same design so we go use different artists because we don't want consistency the only consistency we want is beautiful quality fabric and beautiful colors and that's something I noticed that each of the designs is a very very different style you've gone from sort of like the pop art genre to realism, to cartoon style. It's across the board. Yeah. And it seems to suit each design very well. Yeah. These are great products and I highly recommend them to anyone. 
But I want to talk a little bit about Chris. So you, you're obviously a very keen motorcyclist. I am. What does a gal from Australia, how does she end up in Colorado? Tell, I mean, let's go back to the beginning. How long have you been into bikes? Uh, I've been riding for almost 30 years. Um, I got into it just out of necessity. It was like, okay, I, I need a bike to get to work and to get to college. Where, where was home when you were growing up? Uh, Melbourne, Australia, yeah. or as you Americans say, well, not you as an American, but other Americans say Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, that's where I'm from. Right. Um, but yeah, I came here in, to the States in t- 2008. Okay. And uh, kept buying bikes and I keep riding bikes. And now I've got a bike business and it's so cool. And I mean, it's an inevitable way that if you're an enthusiast, we're also drawn to the industry. And oftentimes it's for the, for the right reasons, but in the wrong way, that the industry fails us in some way. And we think, well, we can do better than that. And I think you certainly have. So um, right now, here we are in February 2023. What is your favourite to-go bike? Oh my gosh, it's like asking what's my favourite child. Yeah, I know, but uh, I'm going to pin you down, hon. Because okay. they all scratch a different itch. They you know do, that. they do. Okay, so for my long distance riding, I go for my BMW 1200 GS. Um, That's for a my, choice. you know, sort of round town, I have my Moto Guzzi, uh, which I absolutely love. And then I've also got a couple of uh, Triumphs. <laughs> I've got a, a Thruxton for when I'm feeling like a little, I want to go need yes. for speed. Uh, and then I have a Bonneville, which is a T214 limited edition. I know that it's bike very gorgeous. well. It's got the blue and the star and everyone stops me and says, where do you get that? You can't have it. No. Exactly. <laughs> very limited edition bike. It is. Um, how do you find, I mean, growing up in a big metropolis and Melbourne does have its seasons. Yeah. Um, it's a great groundwork for riding here in America, isn't it? Because I think if you can navigate a motorcycle around downtown Melbourne in the winter time, do anything. You can pretty much <laughs> do anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you find the distances here are different. I mean. Did you ever explore the interior of Australia on your bike? I did. So six months ago, not six months ago, in 2020, I rode for six months uh, in Australia and I went straight up the guts and it was awesome. I did Alice Springs and uh, Ayers Rock and right up to Darwin. I'm just saying words right now because you're probably like, what are these places? As somebody who's driven in Australia, we've... I did a run to Alice Springs many, many years ago. And what people don't actually understand is you get in your car and you drive for eight, nine hours and you see no, no one yeah. and no other vehicle. Uh-huh. It is so desolate. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, it's quite scary because you think, if you, I break down here. Yeah, I did have a flat tire and I did have to sort of get on the side of the road and I was waiting, waiting. There was no cars for three hours. Wow. By then I'd actually fix my tire and, and off I went. But yeah, it, it was crazy. Well, the, but it's, it's like riding in Alaska. Exactly. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's lovely talking to you. These are great products. And um, I think you're just great. Exactly the kind of person we love talking to at Misfits. Yes. Uh, I have a question for you. If there are artists out there, oh yes, who since you use different artists for each of your prints, which are beautiful, 
do you want them to reach out to you? Absolutely, yes. Uh, if they can reach out at sales at justride5.com, uh, they can reach both Jen and myself that way, and one of us will get on the horn, on the phone, and call them and say hi. Or they can actually reach us out, uh, DM, slide into our DMs on Instagram and Facebook, and that is Just Ride 5. So, or it's only fair, so there are two people involved in this company, so I'm going to get Jen in. So it's Jen. Oh, it's a hard one to, to pronounce. It's Guerriero. Guerriero. <laughs> and you actually founded this company yes. back in 2017. Yes, yes. That's me. Fantastic. And are you a motorcyclist as well? I am. I am. Well, I rode a lot of, uh, let's put it this way. I rode when I was a kid. I rode dirt bikes. Yes. And then um, I hadn't touched a bike for many, many, many years, probably 35 plus years. Right. Um, I started getting back into it when I moved to Colorado. And um, once I got on a bike, a friend's bike, I said, wow, this is so much fun. And it brought me back to my childhood days. And I just felt sort of this fun sensation and it brought me back to my family life and, and things like that but uh i just had to have another bike so i got back into it and yeah so now i'm a full-fledged rider and you know being a rider it was hard finding clothes that fit there you go clothes that fit me we and, have heard this so many times yeah and um and oftentimes we're drawn to improving what's out there. And this yeah. product you've got, I think, is just great. Oh, thank um, you. And you make a very, very good team. Yeah. So if we come back to the AM Expo next year, yeah. what, how are you expecting to grow this company? Oh, my goodness. How am I expecting? If I had a magic wand and I could say, this is, we're going to make all that you want come true with this company, what would it be? God, well, we, you know what? We want to give women riders options in apparel. We want to right. give them really fun designs that they they love to wear. Something right. that's comfortable, that uh, works well for them, that you know wicks away the sweat and they're not too hot while they're riding, but they look good both on how, the bike, off the bike. How has interest been in the pants? How is the interest in it? Well, this is brand new. That's uh, so. I mean, are people showing an interest in it so far? We, you know what? You're the first person to see these. What? And, and what we're describing are a pair of, of dirt bike pants. So product testing right now. We figure we would bring it to the show. So lots of uh, people don't even know we're about to do that. That's so fantastic. it's sort of a secret. So, I mean, from this point forward, you're at a trade-only show. So basically, everybody walking around here is in the industry right, right. in some form or another. Are you both going to sort of concentrate from this point in building up wholesale contracts? Or are you going to kind of build up the, the direct-to-customer side? Or a little bit of both? I mean, how do you see the growth? Right. Well, I mean, in a perfect world, it'd be great if it was just a direct-to-consumer, right? Right. Um, but we realize we need the eyeballs. We our shirts are best when they're touched. People can be gravitate toward the imagery, but once you touch them, you want to feel them, you want to put them on. So we feel like if we can get in front of more eyeballs, they're going to sell. And that, of course, is going to mean dealerships. Right. So that's why we're here. Right. So for the dealerships to, to realize that, hey, you know what? Women riders are looking. They're, they've been complaining about this for years. There's nothing out there. But hey, there's this company that's out there. It's women-owned. They're making clothes specifically for women riders. Feels great. Looks great. Um, why not? Take that chance. You right. Know? Well, yeah. I wish you both the best of luck. Thank you. Thank Very you so happy much. with the interview. 
superb products. Thank you. Go Thank out you. and buy them. They're Just great. ride five. Yeah, baby, ride <laughs> Just ride five. Like the shirt says, must have fun when wearing. Oh, okay. Well, that that's that, it's interesting. Everybody asks, where did that come from? Five is a super cool number, but for me, it's a personal thing. Um, okay. I'm the youngest of six kids, and my brother was the fifth kid. Unfortunately, he passed away. Um, and when I rode when I was younger, I, he taught me how to ride, and I spent a lot of my days... So you're carrying on your rip, late brother's yep, legacy. Yep. doesn't get any better than that. Absolutely. So for me, it's pretty personal. Um, but other than that, I mean, I'm born on the 5th, October 5th. That's a cool day. My son is born on the 5th month. <clears throat> when you look up <clears throat> the number, excuse me, 5 in numerology, <clears throat> what does it mean? Travel and adventure. Right. So it was just obvious. Like, let's put that five in there somewhere. Just ride. You know what? You have a bad day. Just ride. Right. You have a good day. Just ride. Just ride. Right. So just ride five. Give yourself a high five. There's a lot to it, but I for me, it. it's personal. It's it's my brother. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you both for a great interview. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for, for having us. Well, that goes. Well, that's not gonna bring that into that sort of you know side by side market. Two sides Hey there, this is Naked Jim at the AIM Expo in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. And I am currently at the booth for Foresight Helmets, who are redefining the smart helmet category. So if that doesn't get your attention, I don't know what does. So I'm here with Charlie, uh, who's, who's one of the reps here with us. Nice to meet you. Good to be here. How are you enjoying the show? Oh, it's a great show, Jim. Thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah. yeah so I was totally drawn by the helmets. You know, this technology has been evolving slowly over time. But it seems like you guys have made some big jumps. So fill us in, let our listeners know about what you guys have going on it. Yeah, now. sure. So we're bringing the Foresight Mark 1S to the US uh, in this spring. Uh, it is a brand new smart helmet with integrated um, communications, Harman Kardon audio, HD action camera, and a patented LED peripheral display for road and navigation alerts, which can keep riders safe uh, and protected out there. Yeah. Okay, so that's a lot. That's a lot in one sentence. So walk us through each one of those features of the helmet. Yeah, sure. It's probably easier if I pick, pick one up. Yeah, so, so we're, we're looking at a helmet. It looks like a, a, a modern sport bike kind of helmet. Uh, nice, fast-looking design. Lots of air vents. Yeah, carbon fiber look. Uh, I love the pin lock. That's a small thing. But anyway, good-looking helmet. Yeah, so look, we're riders ourselves, so we wanted to make a good quality premium helmet. So yeah, it's just over three pounds, carbon fiber, pin lock 120 in there with all the kind of vents and premium padding inside of 3D forms with a nice neck roll. Now, the technology inside, uh, Jim, you can see here right at the front is a Sony HD action camera. Now, our kind of riders use that maybe as a dash cam on their way to work, or if they're track riders or adventure riders, they might want to film their kind of different bike experiences. Hey, Jim, can you describe to everyone, because not seeing it, it's hard to see, to know what it looks like. Yeah, I was going to mention that. So most of us that have the cameras or even the centers or whatnot on a helmet, it sticks off to the side like an appendage. This is integrated fully into where your chin would be in the helmet. So it looks just a small camera kind of right where the dimple of your chin would be, seamlessly into the helmet. It's basically where a chin, it looks like a chin vent, except that it's a round circle that is a camera. Yeah, yeah. so Foresight's design philosophy actually came out of an accident where our uh, co-founder, Alfred Bayages, uh, was riding his Yamaha, went through a oil slip and came off the bike. The accessories that he was wearing uh, smashed and damaged the helmet. So. He wanted to design a new way that technologies could be safely integrated so that when you hit the deck 
those accessories either don't damage the EPS layer or cause kind of rotational velocities that might hurt the rider, right? So not only do we have the uh, camera safely integrated in there, but we've also got the speakers nicely placed and the um, LED array. So there's nothing on the outside. Yeah, very clean looking helmet and functional. I put one on yesterday. The visor goes up and down real well. It feels very solid, which if you ride every day is a big deal. The, th the helmet was comfortable to put on, um, but there's a lot more features. So you mentioned the Harden Carmen audio. So that was the other thing I noted. If, you've, if you have some of the other you know, aftermarket stuff, you know, just the sound quality is not great. I ended up having to use earbuds, to, you know, on top of that. For the, but the sound quality in this helmet was dynamite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we love listening to tracks on our way to work. Like, you know, we've even got uh, Richard Fordis from Guns N' Roses who owns a Mark One, And he helped um, develop a playlist that we tested all the kind of speakers on and stuff. So we're all about music and love riding with it. So that was really important to get right for us. Um, the other kind of features are that we run um, the Foresight Mark 1S connects with a Foresight app that is connected to our Foresight command backend. Now this scrapes open source APIs uh, to provide riders with road alerts and navigation cues. So that might be things like pothole marked up in 300 yards, police in area, a speed camera. So riders can just know what's ahead of them before they get there and take appropriate steps to either keep themselves safe or below the speed limit. So, so this is fascinating, and we're just scr scratching the surface, I think, of this technology. So what, if I understand correctly, this helmet will pick up through the magic of the internet, uh, pick up information from various places, and give you a variety of either warnings or indications. So not only on your phone app, but it does it through the helmet as well, right? That's right, that's right. So um, navigation cues come up as a, a light array that sits just below your, your vision. Um, if your listeners could imagine a Formula One steering wheel with that rev counter that buzzes up and down when the, the um, drivers need to change gear, it kind of looks a little bit like that. But it sits below your eye line, so it's not distracting. Your eyes are up on the road. Um, the other alerts are covered by amber for like pothole, uh, police and speed camera is uh, blue and white, and there's a red one for different alerts as well. So that also comes with an audio cue from the Harman Kardon speakers, so you get that audio cue and the visual stuff, which really keeps you alerted to what's going on in front of you. And yes, you did hear that correctly. When the cops are around, it flashes blue and white. And so these lights are very subtle. You just kind of see it in your peripheral. So it's almost like a heads-up display without a heads-up display. And the information's kind of real-time. So, you know, if you're going down the road and all of a sudden something popped up that there was a hazard in the road, you get multiple warnings. Uh, I have a quick question. What you're describing to me, we're talking about a, a smart helmet, but it sounds like there's as much, if not more, technology put into the app. Which took more to develop? Oh, that's a good question. Look, hardware is a challenging game because really what we had to do um, is um, build a, what we call the e-module that contains the ceramic batteries, the microphones, the camera that sits at the front of this and safely integrate it so that it would pass ECE and DOT standards. So that was a big engineering challenge that we succeeded in doing. Uh, we got 22, ECE 2205 and soon to be ECE 2206 plus DOT helmets coming out. The app is a huge amount. There's over like 10,000 lines of code that our team developed in-house by motorcycle riders. Now, that took over seven years of development and around $14 million worth of uh, investment. So yeah, it took a lot of effort. 
Yeah, the app, the app is pretty fascinating. And the other thing that you've done, there's so much safety here that you don't even realize. Obviously, the technology and the helmet keeping you safe. One of the reasons I don't ride with my phone out on my handlebars is I, it's too distracting for me to look down all the time. And when you look down, you see other things, and two or three seconds goes by like this. Well, you guys have come up with a, uh, a device, very simple, that sits on the handlebars that lets, lets you control a lot of things. 100%. Yeah, we're all about safety and keeping that, um, you know, I don't like using a phone when I'm riding because it's clumsy with my motorcycle gloves and all that kind of stuff, right? So we developed this kind of triangular handlebar controller that sits on the uh, on your motorcycle. That can take uh, telephone calls, uh, stop-start navigation, or repeat the last navigation cue, uh, and also skip through your Spotify tracks or your Apple Music tracks on the go, uh, turn up volume, and uh, stop start camera if you haven't set it to dash cam mode which starts the camera as soon as you start the helmet we, and, the, and like charlie had mentioned this is a small triangular device about two inches across um, with three buttons so you can do all that with gloves on probably not even looking at it um, and do have all access all those features that's what i like about it too i I'm, I'm guessing the triangle three buttons let's keep it simple so you can know where you're navigating without really looking 100 percent 100 percent you want to keep your eyes on the road. And I just wanted to give a big shout out to the motorcycle community in Australia who have really supported Foresight on our journey. We have uh, a community of 8,000 riders on our Facebook group over there, which US uh, riders are, are free to join and come and see how Foresight riders are using it. But what we use that group is actually to test the technology. So in the early days, the co-founders, Alfred and Julian, actually went out to their local uh, clubs and said, hey guys, we're building this prototype at the moment. What kind of technology do you want in? What works for riders? And what riders told us was they wanted that kind of technology they were using at the moment, but a bit of a more seamless integrated experience, right? So it's not like crazy new technology. It's kind of stuff you've seen before, but it just works a little bit better, safer, and easier to use on the road, right? And these have been successful in Australia, right? You guys have been yeah. selling these... Yeah, I mean, yeah. successfully. Oh, 100%. So we launched uh, the Mark 1S in April of last year, and we've sold 2,000 of them. Uh, riders have really reacted strongly. Now, that's only through our direct-to-consumer channel. Um, we'll be opening up retail soon. And the, when we launched the Mark 1, our first product, we did a tour across Australia to meet those riders who'd helped develop the product. Um, and when we released our first batch of 1,000 helmets, they sold out... Well, the first 700 sold out in three days, and we sold out 1,000 in a week. Then we had another batch of 400, and they sold out in 48 hours. So they um, really, yeah, they were called the Founders Edition to celebrate kind of all the, we call them founders because they helped found the company as much as us. Um, yeah, so huge success, and we think that U.S. motorcyclists are really going to like this technology as well. I think so, you know, so if the takeaway from there is Foresight is here, they're up and running, they're making and selling helmets, right? It's happening. The other interesting, I thought the price point is, is reasonable. I mean, they're not cheap, nor should they be. We're talking, what, a little over $1,000? That's right. They're going to be $1,099 uh, across stores in, uh, in America. So they'll be available from April uh, through retail and online. Yep. And is the app included with that price? Yes, the app is totally free. So riders can get all the kind of features and the benefits from that. Um, the other great thing that riders can, can know about is that if you come off your bike and damage the helmet, uh, we will actually take what we call the e-module out of the helmet. We will test it, make sure it's correct, and then riders will only have to pay for the replacement shell that they've damaged. 
Now, I don't have an exact price at the moment, but I imagine it would be around $500 for the, for the new uh, shell. Right, and, and you think about the pricing, by the time you buy a, a decent helmet, and, and this thing's light, you know, just over three pounds is great. It, and by the time you add your your, your uh, audio system on it or a, a camera system, you're you're at least at a thousand dollars anyway. So it feels like a very accessible item. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our our co-founders wanted to make something that riders could afford because they love this and they want other people to enjoy the same experience. So whilst obviously we do want to uh, make money and keep building new exciting technology, yeah, we didn't want to um, take the mirkas of those. So, uh, so in your own personal life, what are your what's your favorite feature about the helmet? Or what do you find you use the most or the most valuable? Uh, yeah, so I, I ride a Royal Enfield Interceptor 650, which I love. Um, and uh, I think the most things I enjoy is the music. I jump on my bike and set up my latest playlist. And the other thing is just knowing where speed cameras or police might be marked in the area because I don't want a ticket, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so those are kind of my favorite things, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. And so uh, you may have mentioned before, when do you think these might be available in the States? So our first shipment arrives in with Tucker at the end of March and okay. uh, the second one in the beginning of April. So as soon as those stores uh, receive them, which should be around that time, they should be in retail and we're hoping with some great online stores as well. Okay, great. So sooner than later. Yeah. And then, um, and so how can people find you if they're curious about the helmet? Where should they look? Yeah, sure. Just uh, search Foresight, F-O-R-C-I-T-E, uh, or Foresight Helmets on Google, and our website will pop up. Um, U.S. customers can register their interest now and get into kind of those early kind of orders. Yeah. Okay, and my last question, I'm sure everybody has all their great ideas that they think you should also put in your helmet. Yeah. Is there any kind of stuff you're looking at, improvements down, or I mean, it just came out, but any, what, what direction do you think this goes in? Yeah, so the future of this technology is uh, bike to helmet communications. So RS, blind spot detection, kind of other information like fuel and different bike setups, communicating that with the rider. Um, there's a huge potential with this kind of technology connecting to the future of autonomous vehicles. I know motorcyclists have a lot of concern over uh, Teslas and all this kind of stuff. So how do we make motorcycles more visible with this kind of technology, uh, accessing the mapping system with the kind of Tesla stuff or that kind of, uh, that kind of future? We will be, um, we have a product roadmap. Um, that is further developing the features and benefits uh, far beyond what we've got at the moment in the future and we'll be opening up new categories so we'll be coming into the adventure category in the next couple of years and modern retro as well. So maybe keep an eye out for modular helmets, uh, more adventure looking helmets? Yeah potentially, there's a huge engineering challenge with modular helmets yeah. but our guys, I mean they created the world's first smart helmet so they can, they can crack it I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really exciting technology, and we are definitely looking at the redefining of current helmet te technology. Not done yet, but it's really great to see all this happening. Congratulations, Jim. This, this booth has been hopping all morning at the show, so get on the waiting list. All right, cheers. And Thank you. will there be colors available? Uh, yes, there will be colors. Also, uh, for those riders who follow MotoGP, um, they'll know that uh, the name... Um, uh, Rossi, Valentino Rossi, and the painter of Rossi's helmet, Aldo Drudi. So we visited Aldo Drudi, the graphic designer in Italy, who after trying on the helmet shouted, Mamma mia! <laughs> 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 
he's a great guy. So he developed like this new graphic for it, which is kind of Tron-esque. It's like a oh, matrix really? of uh, carbon fiber and blue kind of pulses going across the helmet. And we'll be releasing a limited run of 400 of those in the US later this year. Wow, how fun. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the rollout here. Uh, looks like a lot of fun. Everybody's having a good time checking it out. So thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Thanks very much, Jim. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. That was great. Hi, this is Craig Arnold with Motorcycles and Misfits Podcast. We're here with John with Kickstands Up, this exciting new platform for motorcyclists. So, John, why don't you tell us a little bit about this new platform that you guys have created and what got you into it? Awesome. Yeah, totally. So basically, uh, we're all riders, right? Uh, we'd never run a business before, but we noticed, uh, well, first of all, we were just sick of not being able to find events, A. Uh, and then B, we were sick of missing things. Uh, so we kind of like, we're like, why is there nowhere where we can find all this in one place? You know, and we searched and searched and there just wasn't a good solution. You know, you got to go all over Facebook, all over Instagram, all over all these other different websites. And we just felt like the experience was really not geared towards this generation. Uh, so we decided to go ahead and to undertake the task of building our own platform that allows you to find motorcycle events by the type of motorcycle you ride, no matter where you're at in North America. That's incredible. What really impressed me when I first started at that all, all the events that I wanted to do were already on there. So how can someone who has an event get set up and linked in with Kickstands Up and get their event on, on your page? It's super, super easy. So all you got to do is go to kickstandsup.com and then you can either sign up for a rider account if you want to find events, but if you want to actually promote your event, um, you can actually, there's a link to, on our site to host with us. You can go directly and sign up immediately as a host, or you can also sign up as a host after you sign up as a rider, right? So there's a, there's a call to action asking you if you want to host your own events. You just click it, you set up your host profile, and you can immediately start posting events and they immediately hit the platform. So can you uh, be more specific when you say events? What kind of events? Because there's all sorts of things from bike nights to big expos like this. So what, what do you include on your site? Absolutely. So everything, really. Uh, we want to cater to the racers. We want to cater to the people doing poker runs. We want people doing, you know, big, giant rallies. We want everybody, right? If, if it's on two wheels, we want it on kickstands up. Uh, because we believe firmly that, like, even if you're already into, like, one thing, right? Like, say I'm, like, super into off-road racing, you know, I might want to go and do a trail ride one weekend. I might not want to race that weekend. If I can't find out where to go, I might not be able to go ride trails that weekend and meet new people, right? So we want to make it open to not only finding new types of events to go and do, um, but then also open you up to new types of riding that you might not usually do, right? So if you're mostly an off-road person, but you've always been curious about getting into the Harley world, we want it to be easy for you to like get in front of that, right? What I found really incredible about is, is it's all under one umbrella. Like you mentioned earlier with Facebook, Instagram, kind of the big players in the game, you kind of have to sift through and search. So... How how can someone, when they're navigating, be able to pinpoint and ha have it be all in one place when um, 
kind of their searching for events? Yeah, totally. So we've built a really cool filtration system. So whenever anybody signs up for our platform or even creates an event on our platform, we essentially have them fill out what types of motorcycles it's for, where it's going to be, how much it costs, how many people they think are going to be there, right? And then when you go onto our event search, you could filter by all of these things, right? So it makes it really simple for you to just jump in and take care of it, right? You literally click drop downs and you have an entire list with icons of the types of motorcycle disciplines that are out there uh, and it's automatically populating. Can you go ahead and share your all your categories? Yeah, absolutely. So we have adventure dual sport, we have uh, V-twin cruisers, we have dirt and off-road, we have scooters, we have the sports street world, we have like the supermoto and flat track world, touring trials, uh, vintage and modern classic stuff. Uh, and then an other category for your kind of strange things like little mini bikes and like lawnmower engine stuff, you know? I love that. I love that. So people could select multiple categories or yep. if they were just interested in one specific um, sector of motorcycling, they could just pinpoint what exactly events are going on with that exact category. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you can just say, show me events near me. Uh, yeah, basically. I mean, you still have to use your fingers and get there, right? Uh, we don't have like super crazy Alexa integration or anything like that. But that's all stuff we, you know, eventually hope to do, right? We hope to basically turn this thing into the quintessential motorcycle community where people can always know that they're going to find something to do. So I, I want to do a test to see okay. how easy it is to use. Craig, can you use your, your big gorilla fingers? See if you can navigate this site. Okay. Let's see what, what we have. Look, what are you going to look for? Well, location. Let's type that in. Let's get good old sunny Santa Cruz, <laughs> California. Yeah, let's see what comes up. We just type in the zip. Santa Cruz, bada bing. What are we some things that come up? We have a lot of different events. We got some... Uh, Whiskey Flats, Horse Rodeo, District 36, of course, Super Cross coming off. Uh, I always thought the Misfits would love that trip up to Oakland. And uh, we got the BMW Moto Guild Night. So that's just with the zip. Let's try to go a little further here with some, let's go, Dual Sport. We'll click Adventure, of course, Dirt. And for Bagel, let's get Scooters. <laughs> All right. And then even more things populate. You got adventure rides up in Placerville, a couple schools, super sized schools. Very easy to navigate, very straightforward. We even found our event on there. We did. We our did. Rally. Right when we popped in. Uh, March 24th through 26th. Go to com. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> if you have not got your tickets, that's a, a must see, not missed event. So whose idea was this, and, and what, what niche was it, what need was there to fill it? Really, uh, so the idea came from uh, my fellow co-founder, Jay, uh, and he just had always, you know, we, we'd, we'd sat in room to rooms and talked about this, and he was like, wouldn't it just be really nice if we had this, right? And we were going back and forth about it for a couple of years even, and I had tried to start an apparel thing, and they tried to do a couple other little things, and... You know, nothing really fired off, but I've, uh, I was in the e-commerce world for a really long time before we started this platform, and I was like, you know what? Screw it, man. I'm going to build it. Let's build it. Let's do it. Let's start this, you know? 
Um, and then our other co-founder, Ashley, who's super awesome, like took care of all the business end of things, like getting the business started up, making sure that we were all dialed, the lawyers and everything, right? So, you know, it, it really is a, has been a huge team effort. Um, I, I met them riding motorcycles, right? Like I met Jay. I was at this like moto cafe that used to exist in San Diego. We've both met on our adventure bikes randomly getting coffee. Um, and we've been friends ever since. We started riding dirt bikes together, and that's how I met his girlfriend, Ashley. So it's just been, like, are you this really, really cool... Uh, it's uh, Big Sur. Yeah. yeah. Big yeah. On I love that. Some of the best ideas and best friends are made with motorcycles. One thing I was curious about was, you know, there's a couple other players in the game. What separates Kickstands Up from some of the competitors or some of the similar um, platforms out there? Well, Sorry, I keep seeing the screen go by on all these events that we go to. <laughs> yeah, no worries at all, yeah. Um, I, I think that really at the end of the day, it comes down to uh, presenting the information in a modern way and then making it so that once you get to our site, we're not always, we don't always have to be the end destination, right? Like if you want to learn more about a brand or you want to learn more about somebody, we allow you to link out. We make it really easy. We make it super easy to connect, right? So we want you to discover these people doing things. We want you to understand who they are. We want you to be parts of these communities. Um, and then, obviously, again, like I said, the clean interface is huge, right? Because a lot of the stuff that's out on the market right now that's moto-specific um, is, is really outdated. It looks like it was kind of built in the 90s or the early 2000s, and it, it feels very disconnected from where the world currently is in terms of technology. And so we feel like we're really uniquely positioned right now to be you know, the go-to spot for people who are used to using the internet in a certain type of way. How much does it cost? It's free. What? It, yeah, it's Whoa, free. Whoa, everyone likes that price. <laughs> well, that's yeah. interesting you mentioned that because I found that personally going to some of these websites on some of these event pages, and you're right, it looks like this outdated, that someone hasn't updated it in 10 years plus, you got old events on there that you have to navigate through, and this is just such a clean interface, and it looks so easy to use, so easy to navigate, that um, I'm really hoping this explodes, and uh, really hoping that the, the entire motorcycle community, West Coast, nationwide, can get on board with this. Yeah, and, we hope uh, so too. <laughs> so is this uh, something that people can use to meet up with other riders, or is this just to find the event? It's event information. Yeah, so down the road, um, actually within the next six months or so, we're dropping a feature called Cruise. Um, okay. And what Cruise is, is it's basically our version of Meetup, right? Um, but it's geared only towards motorcyclists. And so you're going to be able to sort, sort and filter all these different crews that are public by the same ways that you find events. So if you're looking for a crew that rides dirt bikes and they're doing a ride that weekend and you're in from out of town but you brought your bike, you're going to be able to actually go in and join crews and be able to like connect with other riders. So we're, we're, we're trying to, the first problem we wanted to solve was like, let's make sure we're not missing events anymore. Let's make sure we can find events. And then the next problem we want to solve is let's make the community more accessible to people and let's, you know, promote people connecting with people that they wouldn't have normally connected with. I, I, I like this. And, and Craig, I was, I especially appreciate that you found it. We come to AIM Expo to try and find the things that people don't really know about yet that aren't in all the papers and magazines, you know. And this is something that is brand new. How long has it been around? Uh, we just launched in October of last yeah. year. It's great. And I, I'm kind of dumbfounded. I'm like, you're right. 
I don't know who's doing this. Where do I go to find events? You hear about it through other people or people like us. We post things, but you're collecting everything. So right now you said that you guys are populating it from all sorts of sources, but then eventually it'll be crowd crowdsourced, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So the idea is, you know, we knew that when we launched we had to have a library of events, otherwise we look lame, right? So we didn't want to look lame, so we did the work. Um, and it's been hard work. It's been many, 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 many hours of, of labor, and it continues to be, right? But we, we're happy to do it for the motorcycle community right now, especially. Um, but as we grow, we hope to build a, lo- a large enough network of hosts that are affiliated with us that they start putting their own events in, and they're able to be found as much as they want to be found, right? Great. Any last questions? No, we're really excited. Thanks for spending a few, a few minutes with us. And, uh, yeah, where can people find you if they, if they want to check you out and join up and link up with their events or, or for a check out some events? Yeah, just hop on kickstandsup.com. I like it. Beautiful. I like it. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. Hey, Stumpy John here at the AIM Expo. I'm here with uh, with Gary Goodwin, and he is representing uh, Kobe Bikes out of Utah. Yeah. And, uh, and he also distributes lots of other uh, different models also. But I was specifically impressed with this, and uh, Matt from Utah told us to, uh, to come and, and meet Gary and talk about these. So, Gary, these rally bikes uh, look really different and exciting. So why don't you yeah. tell me a little bit about them? Yeah, definitely. I mean, what makes these so exciting is that it is a OEM production rally bike. I mean, you know, everybody knows what rally bikes are or the KTMs, but, you know, they're twenty five, thirty five thousand dollars $35,000, and they're really kind of hard to come by. So this is a production version that is similar, you know, to those same rally-type concepts with the low-slung seat or the low-slung tanks and the weight center of gravity really low. Um, this is the standard model. It's available for $89.99 is the retail on it. And then there is a full race model that has the road book and the carbon tower and things like that that is 14000 And you said there's a, a low version also, right? Yeah. So the standard model comes in two seat heights. You've got the just under 37 or 38 inches, and then you've got another one that's just under 36 inches, so about two inches lower. That's great. Um, some of the things that, uh, well, talk to me about sort of the access access points to be able to work on these. Yeah, so the thing that's real cool, I mean, all of the, the whole front end all pops off real easy with the clips. Just a twist and turn, you can pop off and have access to all of the whole front end. Uh, real easy to get to the radiators, pull your tanks, anything like that as far as service goes. And then the access for your fuel filters, all just no tools, pop the seat, all removable. Yeah, that's really accessible. Everything's in the right spot and tidy as far as wiring and that goes. So it's really made for access on when you're on the track or on the out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. To be able to work on this. Um, so, you know, one of the great validators of this is that uh, you just raced in the Perry Dakar, yeah, the Dakar Rally now. Yeah. Um, and uh, so tell us about that. How did that go? And how, how did uh, how did Kobe do? Yeah. So I mean, the factory they're definitely ambitious and they did a great job. I mean, they had they had three riders. They're all Chinese riders, and they did awesome. They all finished three for three in Dakar. And, uh, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really awesome. Uh, Sun Ye, the he was the fastest guy. He finished 48th, and uh, you know he had just as many of the big brands in front of him as he had behind him. And so he, he was competing and doing very well, and they all 
finish. That's the big important yeah, part. That's so. huge. That's huge. Now, talk to me about uh, sort of importing. You said that right now they're not street legal. Right. So, what's the plan for that? Yeah. So, um, the initial seventy-five to one hundred and fifty bikes are going to be imported as off-road use, which means uh, they're not technically California street legal or anything that way. But we do have bikes at the labs now uh, for California carb and those are being tested and we're, we're anticipating to have full certification by the fall of 2023 and have them available at that time. If somebody was interested in learning more, where could they learn more about these? Um, yeah, right now there's a, a gpxmoto.com is where they're listed on the websites right now. There will be a Cove Moto USA website up shortly. So give me like the two main reasons that you would say somebody needs this bike if they're a rally racer or a rally rider or an off-road rider. Well, I mean, it gives you the opportunity to get into it at a really affordable and economical price um, and it really opens a lot we, of doors. We just had a, a racer from Dakar, Mohart, on our show who told us how expensive it was yeah. uh, to get a bike into Dakar. This is making yeah. it more affordable. Yeah, definitely, you know, it's definitely the race part of it It makes it affordable, but the other part of it is there's a lot of guys who are just adventure guys and they want to go out and they want to ride and they want to have the I mean, the Dakar bikes are designed as the ultimate travel vehicle for off-road use because of the way they're designed with the low weight. And this gives you an opportunity to have that same performance in a lightweight adventure bike. So that's kind of, to me, what the big advantage is in this is really a lightweight adventure bike, you know. And the, the motors are built by whom? Uh, Zongshen is the engine manufacturer. Which is? Yeah, what? one of the largest engine manufacturers in the world. Um, this engine has been around for about six years in a single cam version. Uh, Kobe is the owner of the factory. He's an he's an engine designer, engine uh, engineer, and uh, and he basically took the single cam version of the Zongshen engine and put some performance to it with you know more performance oriented piston and a, a, it's a, dual cam or a still twin cam? twin cam it's now. Twin cam so now. it's definitely got a lot more upper rev than what the single cam version had. Great horsepower numbers. Uh, they're, they rated at 52 on the standard models and 54 on the race model. Great. Uh, I have a question. So you got three bikes through Dakar, but I'm wondering if there were any things learned and improvements going oh, yeah, to be made from that. Yeah, so on the race model, I don't know if you've seen on some of the videos of Dakar, that on the race model, like a lot of Dakar bikes, it's a carbon fiber tower, and sometimes those can be problematic, and they had one that cracked. And so they've actually, since then, reinforced that. So they, yeah, Dakar is awesome for, for them learning, for sure. And so they've reinforced that and put some strength into the carbon fiber tower on the race model. So the headline is you basically can get a rally bike for less than 20, plus than almost 15,000, right? 16,000. Yeah, yeah, full which race is a bike. Full yeah. race bike. The, the bikes in Dakar, the three race bikes in Dakar are 100% stock engines. Wow. And uh, just the race bike suspension on them. So. Wow. You know, one thing that strikes me is is compare this, say, to the Honda 450RL, right? This, you know, capable bike, you know, not a real motocross bike or hard enduro bike, but a comfortable dual sport bike. This kind of takes it for not much more money to something that is much more comfortable, much more wind protection, plenty of power, and, you know, something you could do, I feel like you could do a couple hundred miles. Well, you have to. Just to get to start the Dakar, you got to ride a couple yeah. hundred miles sometimes. But it looks like a much more comfortable bike, uh, much more versatile in that sense. So... It's a really appealing kind of thing for like maybe us older guys are a little bit more into the adventurous stuff, but but want the lightweight and the power. For sure. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, there's obviously you can build some really nice Dakar bikes, but it's a lot of work to build a really nice Dakar bike. Yeah. And, and, and this is only 320, right? You said yeah. 320 pounds, which is that's my DRZ. Wait, that's not heavy. And it looks like it's set up. You can make some additions, like it might be set for a steering damper. Mm-hmm. You yep. can pop in there, that kind of stuff. So you can still do some upgrades if you want. Uh, but yeah, the handlebar height looks great. Uh, very versatile and comfortable. Uh, I got a question. So, are all of the components from China? Um, well, they have, as the engine manufacturer, yeah. they'll, they'll source bearings and things like that from Japan, Japan for the engine. And what about suspension? Uh, suspension is from China. It's uh, yeah, it's similar as far as component level to what you'd find in other brands and things like that. But it's a, it is a Chinese manufacturer. Brakes are Chinese also. Uh, the brakes are Nissan on this. These are the pre-production models. There's a the production models will be Brembo. These are Nissan on this model. And and how are you finding uh, dealing with the, uh, the dealing with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. of it being Chinese. You have a lot to overcome. Uh, yeah. Are you are you finding you're improving that, or do you still have a long way to go? Well, I mean, I started working with Chinese factories about 20 years ago. It was the first time I went to China, and, and uh, so the stigma of dealing with China factories is nothing new to us. Um, and you know, the thing that's so refreshing in working with these guys is we're working with a factory that has amazing passion to win. I mean, they have a they have a plan. They want to win, and they're competing. And so they know and they figure out and they see what needs to be improved and what's better, you know. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a very unique, one-of-a-kind production model. And, and people that know what it is and what it takes to have a bike like this, they, they really get it. But I get, the, I get why people have the stigmas. But, yeah, it's just a step-by-step and we'll just keep on pushing. And Dakar definitely helps when you got three for three in the car, it definitely helps. So yeah. I, you just read my mind. I said when you can have three bikes start and three bikes finish the yeah. car, you're doing something right. Yeah. Production bikes too. Yeah. So and since you said you've been working with the Chinese factories for 20 years, mm-hmm. do you think this is the year? This is the year that yeah. the Chinese bikes are going to break through and beat that reputation. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, there's a lot of political thing that goes back and forth with people on that, but. Uh, a good, a great bike is a great bike, no matter where it's from. And if you get on the bike and you ride it and you see what it is, I mean that's that's the key with this is we've got to get guys on the bikes for them to know what it really is. So, and I'm gonna ask you one more question. You haven't been prepared for this, so maybe you don't know the answer. But if somebody with your experience, how does somebody tell the difference between a good quality Chinese bike and a crappy quality Chinese yeah. bike? Because there's I mean, a lot of them out there. Yeah. What are the what do they look for? Well, I think the, there's a lot of details, really. But if you look at this, and if you if you look at this, and it had a, a big brand's graphics on it, and it looks proper, and which I believe if this had big brand, you know, Han or Yamaha, whatever graphics on it, people wouldn't know the difference. And, and the, if you can't point out things that are not in the right spot, if wires are not covered, if the if there's not protection on things, that's when you. You know, and then, you know, suspension is a huge, huge thing. You're only as fast as your suspension allows you to go. And if you don't have the proper suspension, then you're not going to do it. And, you know, you can hop on this, you can rally, you can ride it hard, and you don't feel like, you know, you're on something that's a pogo stick or it's not correct. And, you know, they've spent a lot of time and money to make sure it's done right. In, in teaming up with you know factories like Zongshan, who are the biggest engine manufacturers in the world, and so 
we didn't mention these are 450s. So is that the only the only 450s right now? Yeah, just the 450s right now. Um, Cove as a as a brand themselves, they have a lot of uh, new models coming out. They have an 800 Adventure that'll be later this fall, and uh, some amazing street bikes and things like that. So they're they're definitely they're a passionate factory and they're up and coming. So. All right, and one more time, where can people go to see, especially to keep an eye on that upcoming adventure bike? Yeah, there's a Facebook group, Cove Rally uh, uh, North America, Cove Rally 450 North America. There's a lot of information on there. Um, GP, GPXMoto.com is where the information is right now. So. And it's K-O-V-E. Cove. Yeah. Cove. Yeah. Great. Hey, thanks, Gary. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Yep. Is that all right? Okay, so continuing on our one-on-one interviews here at the AM Expo in Las Vegas, Nevada, um, I wanted to talk to at least a representative of one of the major manufacturers here. Last year, of course, we did Suzuki. And we missed Triumph, even though they were here last year. So I'm going to rectify that for 2023. And I am with Adam. And Adam is actually the person to talk to because you are marketing director? Yeah, hey, Emma, that is correct. Mm-hmm. I uh, I have the, let's say, honor of being the marketing director for Triumph Motorcycles America. Uh, so been in that role for about three and a half years. Uh, even moved to Atlanta to do it, and loving every minute of it. That's fantastic. And you know, I should point out, Adam is very, very young. He looks about twelve to me, oh, but fantastic. everyone does. Um, but young, full of life, full of new ideas. Um, I, try- turned, I turned forty about a month ago. Congratulations! I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Triumph is a. I always find the current triumphs, the ones that we're dealing with now, are a very, very interesting company because you have a 120-year history to rely on, but it's a very, very young, dynamic company. And the products you put out, very vibrant, very modern. Um, I want to talk... Well, you know what I want to talk about, Uh, but we're not going to go there right now. I'm going to kind of... I'll draw you in. But you've got this range of limited edition bikes. We're looking at them right now, and behind me is a poster of a bunch more that you don't have here. Yeah, so what we're, what we're standing in front of now, um, literally standing in front of, is a Thruxton RS. Uh, but new for calendar year 2023, we've launched a range of 10 different Chrome Edition motorcycles. Uh, so most of them are from our modern classic family, right. but we also did a chrome edition for each of our Rocket 3 motorcycles. And this is just to celebrate the craftsmanship that they do at the factory. And so a year ago, uh, sorry to cut you off. No, I was going to say, and I mean, having worked on a lot of these bikes really since 1995-96, the rebirth, I am always so tickled about how well made they actually are. They're very high quality product and this really celebrates this so tell me about the range in particular but in particular this glorious Thruxton yeah so the, the, the Thruxton is your, your quintessential cafe racer yes uh, and then with that out of the entire chrome range it's the only one where the entire tank is chrome as you'll see we have one to the right and to the left we have a scrambler 1200 
to your right and we have a Speed Twin 900 to your left and they have different bits of chroming in them but uh, a bit more paint on them as well. Um, but with the Thruxton we did the all chrome tank and uh, just to, uh, we, we felt that that one being the quintessential cafe racer really deserved uh, to be the hero of this collection. And uh, one of the things unique to this collection is just the amount of time that goes into each tank. It's over five hours a piece. I uh, can believe that because of course chroming really is a reflection, if you'll excuse the pun, of everything that's going on underneath. So you need perfect preparation. The minutest dent, the minutest ripple will be amplified a hundred times by the chrome. These things are just flawless. Yeah. I've got to tell you, Adam, I'm looking at the poster. To me, the jewel of the crown is that glorious Rocket 3 with the red front on the tank. That is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. I think everybody has their favorite. I mean, they're all... Which one lies? I like the Bonneville. Oh, with the pale oh, blue, just yeah. Just classic. Uh, that one, uh, is that the... Uh, that's the T120, yep. And then, so, uh, there, there is one thing, uh, you'd have to be astute to notice it, but the the 900cc bikes have less chrome, and then all the 1200s have more chrome. Okay, so it's yeah. a real, it, it, it's a tie-in, and I think it's a very, very smart thing to do, because, as we explained at the beginning of the interview, it's really tying into the culture of these bikes. And if we go back to the speed twins of the 30s, they all had chrome tanks. Right. So it's a real tie-in to that. Um, what are your thoughts on the show? It's a lot bigger than last year, it's isn't it? It's a lot it? bigger than last year. So it is, it is sold out, uh, which is amazing. I, I've uh, had a number of conversations with the organizers from uh, Motorcycle Industry Council, and, and they've said, you know, they keep working with the fire marshal to get a little bit more capacity approved. And every time they do, uh, they sell out that extra booth space in record time. And so they have a big wait list already for next year for everybody that couldn't get in this year. Um, so really fantastic that lots of OEMs, lots of exhibitors are here. And, uh, and we, we have a good amount of dealers, and I'd love to see even more dealers next year. And so you're, you're really optimistic about the future. I mean, I've never made a secret of it. I feel that with the pandemic, as awful an experience as that was, it really threw us a lifeline in the motorcycle industry. And people really evaluated their choices and how they want to spend their time. And motorcycling really is an ideal occupation because it's something you can do on your own and it's just as much fun as if you do it within a group. So for 2024 and beyond, you're optimistic that we can really see some growth and see some traction. I think so. I mean, it's certainly the industry. Uh, it, we've had two years of growth now. Uh, it's not growing at the pace that it uh, that it was about a year ago, uh, but I'm really excited to see everybody that's learned to ride. Maybe they learned to ride on something very small or something electric or a used bike. I'm really curious to see are, are they going to graduate into bigger bikes or or uh, brand new bikes for the first time, and that's where um, that's the potential of the past two years. Right, so we, so we have this pool of new people to the industry, and, and now we have to see where they go from there. So how do you see Triumph fitting into this? Do you see it as a niche brand, an aspirational brand? Um, 
it's certainly a cult brand. Yeah, and absolutely. that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, oftentimes people use, oh, it's a cult brand, and it's, it's a bad thing. It means the products aren't great. These are the highest quality products, and they've got this cult following. So where does Triumph fit into the big picture? We are, we are definitely a, a lifestyle brand, and we're a premium motorcycle. So in any category that we play in, uh, we try to be the premium in that category. Um, so I, I think we fit in really well with the, the growth. And I would not necessarily say we're uh, a niche brand. I think we have a little bit of something for everybody. Uh, we have the modern classics range. We have a full range of adventure motorcycles, a range of motorci uh, roadster motorcycles. Um, the Rocket 3 is sort of a class of its own. That's right. uh, uh, yeah, there's that, <laughs> nothing like the Rocket 3. So that that's really a standalone thing. But I think for me, yeah. what makes Triumph unique is we have all these legitimate, genuine classic bikes, which really have as much appeal to a 25-year-old who's going to look at it and think that is the coolest thing on the road, to a 70-year-old who's going to look at it and it's really going to tick all the boxes of the bikes he or she remembers but on top of all these classics, you have genuinely high-performance bikes that stand on their own in any company, like the 765, which is really a world-beating bike. Yeah. And that's, I think, what makes Triumph unique. Well, this is... Uh, anybody that's ridden a lot of our bikes, so um, the journalists are great people to talk to because it's their job to to ride bikes every day, but they, they try everything, and then they've, they've certainly tried most of our range so um, those guys that, that get to ride everything uh, it's pretty clear that every manufacturer has their trends so to say right a and I'd say that uh, with with Triumph uh, aside from really good design aesthetic and fit and finish our trends would be handling and engine performance right I have never ridden a bad handling modern Triumph they, they always get the job done Triumph has done this thing where they've snuck up on us in the industry, and, and in each of these segments, in sport and adventure, they've put out bikes that have garnered a lot of respect. They've become a major player across all the platforms. There's one thing missing here. So yes, we're going to talk about this. And I know, Adam, we're not going to throw you under the bus because I know there's very limited things you can say about these. Let me ask one other question about the street bikes before we Oh, go. yeah, of course, before we go there. Talk to me about the commitment to uh, Motor 2. Yeah. Um, and how that's been important in the development of the, of the motors and sort of what, what Triumph's getting out of that whole relationship. Absolutely. So the, this is where I said, you know, one of the things we're known for is engine performance. Yes. Um, and, and with that is triples so we're one of the few manufacturers where we make quite a lot of uh, triple cylinder engines right uh, we do it in the adventure bikes and we do it in the roadster bikes uh, and then the, for the past three years Triumph has been the exclusive engine provider for Moto2 uh, and Moto2 is the the feeder series for MotoGP okay. um, and so every single racer and race team in Moto2 runs a Triumph engine, and then they build a custom race bike around a Triumph engine. Okay. Um, and w Triumph does not compete in MotoGP. Uh, we felt that the best investment for us in our time in racing uh, for that segment was going to be as an engine manufacturer. And the reason being is uh, by producing all those engines and getting the entire field putting hours on those engines, we're learning more and more So about you're getting a lot of feedback loop on, on all absolutely. that. Absolutely. So then, all the teams have to feedback 
data and all the information. We, on we, the we, we, yeah, we get access to all of that, That's and um, and so we we we're just furthering our expertise in engine development, okay. um, and then. What, we, what you've seen this year, so we've just launched, uh, so for North America, it's going to be actually model year 24, uh, the, the new 2024 Street Triple 765R RS and Moto2 Edition motorcycles. And what we've done in, in those new Street Triples is we've actually juiced out quite a bit more engine performance. So you're going to see uh, torque and horsepower upgrades in each of those, even though it's coming out of the same 765 engine platform. Because they're around about 100 right now, right? Horsepower? Yeah, so it's, so it's you're gonna go up. coming up in, in the RS into, in, into the 1-teens. Wow. So, for, yeah. for those people who've never ridden a triple, they're a very, very interesting prospect. I mean, you get a soundtrack that's completely unique in motorcycling. Nothing mine. sounds like a triple. Yeah. But for an aspiring racer, it's an inspired choice because there's kind of a torque curve you get with a triple that really helps. It, it's got a lot of power low down, but it'll kick at the top when the cams come in. Yeah. So they're lovely engines. So Well, and then with that, I'll, I'll say that um, for the past several years, uh, it, the Moto2 class in the, in the Triumph era has set track records at every single track. And I think next season when they're running uh, the new and uh, uh, upgraded engine. engines, yeah. we're, we're going to see another batch of track record, records set. So um, we, we've got to go there, and I know, Adam, you're very limited in what you can say about these, but the, there's a lot of excitement brewing about Triumph dirt bikes. I, am I, I'd have to say you're the first person at the AIM Expo to ask me about those. Are you well, kidding me? So, do you uh, have a tentative release date when at least we can see what they're going to be like. So, so I cannot commit to a release date. What I, uh, I'll double down on some information that we shared already, Please. which is that uh, Triumph will be racing in 2024. Right on. So we're going to be racing uh, the 250 class in Supercross in America, and as well as MotoGP, uh, not MotoGP, uh, MXGP in Europe. Uh, so, oh, that's so, exciting. Uh, and, and we have announced our teams. Uh, so we're working with a, a phenomenal, and when I say teams, I'm not, I don't mean athletes. Right. Uh, I mean team principal, team managers. So, um, you know, on the on the North American side, uh, phenomenal uh, team that we've assembled. Uh, a lot of these individuals, uh, you know, have come together with the help of Ricky Carmichael. So, uh, some people aren't really sure on how Ricky fits into the picture, but um, so he's not. Uh, Sadly, he's not going to come back and race for us. Um, but he fits in somewhere. But, uh, but, but he's a phenomenal ambassador and partner with us, and uh, he, he's really helping with all stages of the bike development and right. then all stages of the team development, uh, including you know, recommending uh, all that staff. Are you able to confirm for us that the ultimate goal here is to provide content that people will be able to buy? Or no, absolutely, yes. Yeah. So we we have committed. Right. We're coming out with a, a range of dirt bikes. Right. Uh, so and but we, you know, to really get back to uh, our heritage a little bit because Triumph has a phenomenal heritage. Right. In, in oh, racing. absolutely. Um, we're we're going to race those dirt bikes and and uh, for us, just looking at the market, uh, especially in North America. I mean, just off-road market is is absolutely massive, and you know. It, we have this heritage in 
uh, people that have taken modern classics, or I, I guess they were just standard motorcycles at the time, and converted them to scramblers, right? And that uh, we, we were there for the birth of the scrambler and, and riding off-road. Well, uh, now we're going to do it uh, in a modern uh, dirt bike setting. And, and just like anything else, it, it is uh, everything we make is by riders, for riders, uh, and it's meant to be enjoyed to the fullest. So our, right. our slogan is for the ride, and, and really that, that's what we try to do in everything. And uh, You guys have ridden a few. And that's, why and that's a great segue into For the Ride, yes. the podcast. Oh, yeah. So that's your <laughs> podcast, isn't it? I, I am the, the host of a podcast called For the Ride. I never thought I'd see myself doing that. Um, so uh, the, the short story of this is... Um, there, there was a time where one of my staff members just had this golden voice and, and a really good gift for Gab. And I listened to him have a conversation with a musician once. And I was just sort of on the phone and that musician's manager was on the phone, but those two guys were talking. And we got off that call and I was like, I feel like I just listened to a podcast. And then, then the light bulb went off. I'm all right, we're having these cool conversations with cool writers all the time. We should really be recording these, and um, we, we parted ways uh, with that staff member, but um, I couldn't let go of that idea, and, and then it was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to do it, and um, so, so there we go. We, we've completed two seasons of it. Uh, we're we're going to start recording interviews for season three, but it, it's called For the Ride. It's on, uh, it's on Spotify. It's on Apple. I am a listener. Oh, but man, thank you so much. That's... Uh, I, and I'm... It's a weird thing where I'm still surprised every time somebody said that they've listened. And, and it's a neat thing. We've gotten uh, very, you know, from the people that have written in and, and done comments, it's, it's been very positive. But uh, but get used to that. I'm still amazed that anybody tells me they listen to Motorcycles yeah. and Misfits. But there we go. Uh, um, so but, I mean, when we started this interview, because I think we ought to start winding it up now. I was I know gonna, you told me very, 15 minutes, and right. I, but I, I, I'm happy to keep chatting um, with you guys. When we started the interview, I said, let's talk about things you're excited about. How excited are you for this new range that's coming out, for the 2024 model season, yeah. 2024 race season? It's going to be a big deal, isn't it? No, it, it, incredibly. Uh, so excited about the new dirt stuff, excited to go racing. I mean, look, as a marketer, right? So this is, uh, I came to Triumph because it's just such an incredible brand, and I couldn't ask for a better brand to be a marketer of from the product and the culture and the lifestyle. Uh, but now we're just going to offer that to more and more people. And, and, you know, asking me what I'm excited about, we haven't even touched on this, but uh, we have a range of small bikes coming. What? And uh, what? Uh, oh, no, wait well, a minute. And this is, uh, <laughs> Do you heard it here first? And we have, uh, we have talked publicly about this, although not in detail, but we do have a, a partnership with Bajaj. Okay. And, and we're working actively with them uh, to come out with... Uh, some smaller motorcycles and street dirt balls and out of uh, I, I can't get into detail about what those are going to look like but uh, I'm incredibly excited about that just because it's yet another audience that uh, we're, we're currently not actively serving which is the the first time rider audience right. and and that and that's a, a major segment as well and, and not to say that 
anything in our lineup isn't appropriate for a first-time rider. I, I think it is, but uh, th those are going to be a little more attractive to your average first-time rider. That's exciting. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's incredibly exciting. Adam, yeah. thank you so much for your time. It's been a wonderful interview. Um, I've covered everything I want to talk about. John, you you currently own a Triumph. I do. You, you are very happy with I'm it. I'm super excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's, I have a tiger. What's yours? Oh, Tiger. Yeah, fantastic. Tiger 800. So, okay, yeah. love it. So I love that. I love that engine. Love the bike. It's been great. It's been Perfect. been fantastic chatting with you guys. So, what is your Thank socials? You. How can people get a hold of you? For, oh yes, there oh, you boy. go. Well, all right. So, so Triumph. Yeah. yeah, Triumph. It's at Triumph America uh, on Instagram. Um, the podcast does not have a dedicated social channel, uh, but again, just. Uh, Triumph for the ride. Search it in uh, in your Spotify or anything like that. And all the um, the older episodes are archived, and people everything's can there. To you them can find yeah. them on our website too. We we have a a database of episodes on our website. But it really it's just um, you know I talk to cool people every once in a while, awesome. like yourselves, and and it's fun. Awesome. Thank all you right. so much. Thank you. Thank you guys. Well, there you go. What do you think of that? We met some really cool people, yeah. learned about new stuff. Um, I want to, you know, keep track of all these companies. Well, I mean, Triumph, we can keep track. Yeah, of, I was going to say, Triumph won't be hot. But, you know, that's exciting news from Triumph. We knew the dirt bikes were coming out. And Adams really did have to hold the cards very, very close to his chest over there. Need to let... Well, and the other, there's also some displacement things ah. happening. Yes. Now that everyone's heard, we can reveal to Douglas what the thing that he slipped is that Triumph is going to be coming out with small displacement bikes okay. for newer riders. Mm. But the interesting thing, of course, is working with Bajaj in India yeah. rather than with China. <clears throat> so that's going to be a refreshing take. And, you know, I'm no stranger to these Indian built vehicles. I mean, my dearest friend, Mike Beck, um, my second dearest friend after Jim, of course, uh, um, uh. has... Oh, you're you're up there too, Laser. But um, me and Mike Beck are just best Mike, friends. Mike is next level. Mike's yeah. next level. Um, and he's got a Royal Enfield, um, one of the newer Meteor three fifty. It's meatier than the opposition, and it is. It's every time I look at that bike and lay my hands on it, I'm always tickled how well it's made. It's it's really quite old fashioned, um, and I remember from. Only 10 years ago, Enfields were, the quality was like, bloody hell, that's a bit choppy. But the newer ones, they have really, really made inroads into actually screwing these things well, together. What well. happened? What made that change? I don't know. I think just R&D. And I think um, um, they spent a lot of money on research and development. And I think they kicked out all the old guard in management and got new... New, younger new blood, yeah. new blood forward thinking um just young ideas um and i tell you what i'll i'll ride up here one day on the meteor you'll be mm -hmm. amazed how beautifully made right. it is it's just gorgeous it's it, a lovely little thing it's a wonderful way to see the sights and uh sounds of monterey County. right that's so for sure. um back to triumph you know that um teaming up with bajaj i think it's a master stroke i think england and india you know they go together hand in hand mm. But the thing I really like about going to AIM Expo and what I think <clears throat> the Misfits do well is 
we really go and try and, and talk to everybody and, and, and learn about each of the products. And that's how we're finding these things like kickstands up that right. a lot of people don't know about yet. You know, that isn't really the common knowledge and isn't in all the magazines like the new V-Strom, uh, right. eight, 850 or 800. Yeah. Strom, the 800s. 800s that we saw, which was cool. But I'm, I was more excited about stuff that I had never heard of, didn't know well, about. Well, it's, it's so, actually not a V-Strom. It was a vertical twin. It was the 8S. Yeah, well, that's the controversy, is that it is badged as a V-Strom, but it has it's a different motor. It's not a motor. V, yes. It's a parallel yeah, twin. Yeah, I know. But very exciting. You know, I was, I was caught up in the excitement and the positivity of the show. I think I yeah. I think we're going to be in for a cool couple of years. I really do. Yeah. So good show. All say hi to you know, all oh, of the new friends. Oh, good show, um, boy. Good let's. Show. We got a couple emails I wanted to get to. Radio. Uh, this first one is from Dusty in BC. Hey, Dusty. Is that Dusty Boots? Uh, Dust Bunny. Oh, Dusty Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> he says, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Oh, dear. Misfits, I need your help. Oh, dear. I've always shopped for motorcycles based on bang for the buck. Most oh, dear. performance for my dollar. Oh, dear. However, I found myself falling in love with a slow motorcycle and I can't seem to shake it. The lady in question is a Motoguzzi V7 Carbon Dark Edition. I'm such a sucker for a dark color scheme with those bright red valve covers peeking out on either side of the bike. Have any of you owned a Moto Guzzi? Please, yes. misfits, I must know. Paint me a picture. What is it like to ride a Moto Guzzi 744 V2N with a shaft drive? Is it just a dull commuter? Nope. Or is it something special? Yes. What would this be comparable to? A Nothing. Bonneville? No. Please tell me how bad it is so I can forget and move on. <laughs> or how good it is to justify how it's worth it to waste my days searching for this limited edition beauty. So, um... Thanks, Dusty. <laughs> it sounds like you've already made up your Just mind. No, yes. he's made up his mind. So, as um, a long-term owner of a Moto Guzzi... Um, do you want Guzzi? Gutsy? Gutsy. Gutsy, yeah. I mean, Gutsy is the proper one, but everyone calls them Guzzies. Um... So someone who's actually owned um, a good sea for, oh gosh, getting on for 10 years, there is nothing quite like them. And they do have an absolutely fanatic following. Um, the V7s are a tiny bit underpowered. And when I say underpowered, it's not by much. Um, I think I read a V7 and I wasn't terribly impressed. No, but I, as he already said, it's a slow bike, so he's taken away that expectation. Right, exactly. It it reminds me very much of an of one of the earlier two thousand and one, and up Bonnevilles. It's got that kind of power delivery, but what you get is a fantastic soundtrack when you open up the pipes because nothing sounds like a V twin. Well. Um, and it's a bike people will notice, you know, when you park mm -hmm. that, I go on a walk at work, you know, for lunchtime, get my steps right. in, you know what I'm saying? And there's a Gucci, I think it's a V9. Yeah. And, uh, but it, you look at it, it's, you look yeah, at it, it looks like a, beautiful. it looks like a wonderful day to spend an afternoon. It's, it's kind of like the other white meat. It's, well, you say, oh, Italian bike, everyone's, oh, Ducati, Ducati, Ducati. And Ducatis are their own thing. And, um, you know, I, I've made my point of view clear on Ducatis in the past that, they can be a little over complex and a little finicky, but um, I have a butt to that. Yes, and my 
what I'm going to say to him is go for it because just like a Ducati, everyone needs to get one to try it and get it out of their system. I think you, everyone should try a bike. I don't think he'll get it out of his system. It's not I, your forever bike. Try it. Try I, the I, I'm going to make a prediction. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to make a prediction. Um, Dusty, you're going to buy it and it might not be your forever bike, but you're always going to have a goosey in the garage. From this point forward, I mean Henry likes them. Oh, Henry's worse yeah. than me. He's 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 taking the MG pill yeah. far harder than it's, I am. It's it's not a bad bike. Try it. Yeah, no, but, really but try it. Especially because you've already aligned your expectation. It's a little bit of a brick. And you know, think outside the box. You might like the Cafe Race bikes. You might like the Stelvio, the adventure bikes. You might like the yeah. Norge, which is like the Norge is like a cop bike almost. Yeah. Um, they, they do all kinds. They had the, uh, what's the Moto Guzzi adventure bike they had there this weekend? That was the V85. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah that Great was looking. Oh, God, wasn't that good looking? There you go. Do it. Yes. Yep, do, do it. it. Yeah. All it. right. You got one, Jim? I do. And this is from David. <clears throat> hey, David. Let's see. Just listened to the 500th episode and was motivated to drop you a line. I returned to writing after a 25-year hiatus. Wow. Welcome back. Uh, while sampling, we missed you. <laughs> while while sampling various boring podcasts, I, st- <laughs> I was going to make a Cleveland Moto joke, but I had a great time with Phil this weekend, so I won't. Nevertheless, you are allowed to. <clears throat> I stumbled upon the Misfits and fell in love with you all. Miss Aww. Emma's history hole, as dark and deep as it may be, <laughs> I, I just had lived that, uh, <laughs> is my favorite. Oh, the dissection of your various crashes. I guess we're referring to Henry. Uh, <laughs> I have changed his nickname to Handsome Henry, by the way, because wow. he is very handsome. Uh, it was very sobering and led me back into motorcycling with his eyes wide open. Good. Oh, cool. Liza is my favorite motorcycle celebrity. Hey. Someday I'll show up at the garage for a selfie and to share a drink. Uh, okay. We're into up the butt, butt bike territory. Yeah. Quick nice. and, okay. Yeah, it's almost dry, but okay. Uh, my up the butt bike is be prepared to be unimpressed. Okay. I think it'll be, it'll be stimulating conversation. Is a Casal. Yes. K. Yes. 276. Oh, yeah, oh. that's a great bike. You so he, I'm he, curious, he, he makes a comment that it was a sumo before a sumo was cool. Oh, yes, right. I, I agree. And it, I feel like uh, it was my first bike. Uh, no, I, before you read it any further, I am going to give a brownie bonus point to anybody who can tell me where Casals are made. Where are they what? Where they're Spain. made. Spain. Oh. I was going to say Spain. I just read it and I forgot. I don't know. But I literally... Oh, Portugal. Spanish. Portugal. Yes, uh, it Portugal. Is the, it's one... I think it mm. might actually be the only indigenous Portuguese manufacturer. And they, I think they make other things too, of oh, course, I, I, like I, they all do. Yeah. So the interesting thing to me, it looked like an XT, like an XT25 or something. Yeah, yeah. right. Is what it kind of looked like. like. So, but he made it... But let me finish the email. So he commented it was a supermoto uh, yes. before, but I still want to know here about that. Anyway... I'd love to stop by the garage and help you wrench. I have a couple of donations for you, one being a set of wrenches. Oh, fantastic. That don't fit anything. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Any more of those. Uh, I've been told they're British. So, was that Wentworth? What is that? That Whitworth. Whitworth. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Anyway, uh, extra bounty point, points. He says, cool, cool. I'm out. So, nice. David. Oh. Cheers, David. Welcome yeah, that back was a to great, riding. David. I actually had a Casal. It was one of my earliest mopeds. I had a, I had a Phantom 5. You should look up Casal Phantom 5, and you'll see a, a little sports moped from oh, the 1970s. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. Yes. Tra-la-la. <laughs> but, so, what's the sumo part? The, so, well, you know. But it looked like you had a big old 21-inch front wheel. A, a, 
there was that whole thing in like the seventies of dirt bikes for the street. Right, yeah, so gotcha. technically that's first dual sporty, dual sport. Anyway, um, and I want to say, great do, do, bike. do come by the garage, just like Tucker did today, and he just put himself to work helping people out, and and that is always appreciated. So it was knee deep in the garage too. So mm-hmm. yeah, we had uh, Tucker and children, Tucker torpedo trousers, <laughs> and um, Casal the friendly ghost working together. <laughs> Doug, uh, yes. uh, me, Megan, and Kat were here with with the the kids. Uh-huh. Oh kids. God! <laughs> so I, uh, Elliot wanted my potato chips, so I just started laying them out around the parking lot so I could teach them that it's okay to eat food eat you find in a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Megan is the cool mom who just lets them do it. So <laughs> next week it'll be some soda cup around the corner <laughs> in there yes. fermenting. Yes. You know, I mean, Elliot is. I don't think I've ever seen Elliot clean. <laughs> No, no, that boy yeah. is always dirty. But yeah, when, but he's yeah. he's great. He's so yeah. busy. When he grows up, he's on our team. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um so I um I have one from Paddy from New Jersey. Hey, hey Paddy. Paddy. Hello, Paddy. Good day, Misfits. It's been a long while, but I always listen every week. And it is the only podcast that goes to the front of the queue hey. as soon as the next one comes out. Tra la la. How about that? Last week you were discussing e bikes and scooters. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a contract as an ER nurse in Jersey City, in Jersey. Um, and while gang violence was a huge factor... Gang, e- I'm sorry, gang what? Gang violence. <laughs> okay. I thought you said balances. No. I don't know what you <laughs> okay. said. Just, gang violence. <laughs> violence <laughs> was a huge factor. I'll get fucking violent in a minute, you fucks. Um, while gang violence was a huge factor, easily the number one casualty... For 20-something males are those rented electric scooters. <laughs> really? And I think, um, yeah. I believe the company is bird in that area. Yeah. Yep. Now, in my town, Marina, which is a very, very small suburb outside Monterey, bird have arrived in a big way. Same over the hill. Um, and I know why they're there. It's because of CSUMB. Um, for those who don't know, that is California State University of Monterey Bay. Um, and you, these little shit things are everywhere. You know, they've learned not to put them in cities that have a river or a lake nearby. <laughs> because, yeah, they just dump them. Oh, people just keep throwing them in the well, water. The, oh, those bikes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I have had to prep several young, mostly men meatheads, mm-hmm. who have who have no respect for what they saw as a toy for a new hip and broken shoulders. I'll wake you up a bit. The occasional pedestrian as well. And that's an important factor with these because what you basically do with these scooters, if you've never encountered one, if you live in the country or you live somewhere where they they haven't encroached, all you basically need is an account with a company. And you plug in your credit card or you plug in your account card and you're rolling. You don't need any training whatsoever. You literally, it's like standing on a scooter. Well, that's all very well. But you're riding it on the sidewalk. It's got little wheels, like six-inch wheels, so tiny little wheels. So a good crack in the sidewalk will have you off. It's a stand-up scooter. And these things do about 25 miles an hour. So guess what? If you hit a pedestrian or a Presbyterian with one, (laughs) you're going to cause quite a bit of damage to yourself, the scooter, and the pedestrian. Could be fire and brimstone. Right. The biggest thing in Marina... um, you know, Marino, is, we've got a very, very diverse population. A lot of people in Marino also have um, seeing disabilities. And these stupid-ass kids 
just dump them halfway across the sidewalk. And then you hear of somebody who's who's trying to navigate the sidewalk either with no sight or partially sighted and falling over the bloody things um, and doing themselves an injury. So um, anyway, I'm going back to the email. Um, <laughs> every now and then, someone got the idea that they could ride in traffic and one got tagged mm. by a car. Mm. There are no laws or regulations pointing to safe operation for these things. Um, just my 10 cents. And Madame Emma... First of her name, she of the motor town. I will miss you at Vintage Motor Days again. You will, darling. But I've got a good excuse, and I will bring a letter from my mum. Mm-hmm. And and I just want to say, hey, Patty, um, thanks for bringing it up. This was a big point of issue for me uh, this weekend, and I was talking to people right. about this since there were so many of these electric bikes and scooters there. And I did have a conversation with um, – with Rob from the AMA. So we're going to come to that. that. I'm just going to. Hold on. Th- yeah, I'm just going to say, I'm going, there will be an official statement. We had a long conversation right. about this. The AMA is aware of it. There will be an official statement down the road. So, um, and he ends, um, however, um, I keep your visage near to remind me. Yes, Patrick's actually got a picture of me on his t- <laughs> toolbox. He says, I keep your vis- visage near to remind me. Check your tires, love. Aww. Aww. And how do we get Polaroids, Emma? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I actually should do that as a, safe, Patreon as a safety thing. I should get little stickers with an Emma face going, check your tires, love. And people can put it on their bike because yeah. nobody checks their tires often enough. Stay safe, dingles. Meet you guys in the middle of the country <laughs> where I can see the Benelli sidecar in oh, action. Yeah. Patty from New Jersey. I'll, Thanks, take, I'll take you for a ride, Patty. Um, no, that's a good email, and it's it's a huge concern. The biggest problem, technology is moving so fast now. We've got your fingers moving fast. I'll stick that up your bottom. I will. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Um, yeah, settle down, Jim. Technology is moving very, very quickly, and oftentimes it's not necessarily the technology that's the problem, but it's the infrastructure that's around it. Inherently, self-driving cars aren't a problem. But the fucking software of dealing with other vehicles, especially motorcycles, is. That's why Teslas are plowing into the back of Harley-Davidson's. And so it is with the electric scooters. What ostensibly, on paper, would be a good idea, it's all the baggage that goes with it. You need to get trained for these things. You need to actually be the kind of person that gives a crap about other people so you're not abandoning it in the middle of the sidewalk or mowing down some poor little old lady who's carrying a shopping basket out of Safeway. You know, um, so... And we're going to see more and more of this because as things get quicker and quicker and people are bringing out these new ideas further and quicker and quicker, um, and... You know, people who say, oh, man, the government shouldn't be controlling anything or telling us what to do. Well, try telling that to your mum who's got a broken hip from some friggin' stupid hipster who shouldn't be in charge of a pair of shoes riding an electric scooter down the sidewalk. How do you really feel? I'm just kidding. (laughs) At at least they're not motorcycles. But my concern is we'll get thrown under the same bus because a lot of time... All the public see is an engine and two wheels. Well, Emma, again, this is a topic I'm, I've been exploring. I'm going to the people who actually have a say in all this. This will be a future subject subject once there's an official statement. Announcement. Working on it. Yes, good um, old. 
but overall, I just want to say, hey, thanks to Amexpo for putting on an event. It was great. And putting up with us, and which is greater up up. for us. Now that that's over, now we're looking at next month, oh. our Misfits Rally. Yep. The month, a- month after that, hello, Oregon. We are going to the one show. Yep. And once again, we always like to try and participate at the one show if we can. Um, I'm going to see if I can persuade a couple of people to get involved in um, doing vendor stuff. I think we're going to have at least one bike um, in the show again. Um, it's, although Tor still hasn't, hasn't announced the winning bikes yet. So. I think you mean the, uh, uh, the, yeah. the, the winning entries yet. So, I mean, you people submit bikes from all over the world to be at the one show. So it's very, very prestigious, even just having a bike on the floor there. Um, I submitted the Guzzi, of all things, seeing as we were talking about Guzzi's earlier. Fingers crossed, you know, but it'll be year three for me with three different bikes. So, you know, he might be ready for a change. I might be ready for a change. So we'll see. Um, But we'll certainly be there, even if our bikes won't. We're going to have a good time. But the Misfits Rally, you should not miss that. And if I'm not at the one, I will be motorcycling in the desert. So if anybody wants to hook up in the desert, give me a shout out. I'll definitely be down there March, April, May until it gets too hot. And I will be uh, eating the dessert in some lonely joint. Well, and I wanted to give a big thanks to all the people at AM Expo who came up and said hi to us. It's always fun to run into listeners. So many nice people. And meet new people, too. That's probably the favorite part. I still get, even after all these years, I still get a kick out of that. Is somebody coming up to me? And you can hear they're eavesdropping and listening to me, and I'll come up and say, you're Miss Emma. Say, yeah, who are you? Oh, my name's John whatever. I listen to the podcast. I think it's Best just... Best five g- bucks I ever spent. Greatest. <laughs> <laughs> I usually think we're about to fight. My hands go up. It makes I'm her like, feel so good. Um, I know. Um, hey, also, I wanted to say a big thanks to all of our Patreon subscribers for helping to pay for our trips to 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 these events. It makes us easier for us to go and do all these things that we do. Um, but especially just to all of our listeners hanging in there and sending emails, keep them coming. You can send them to motorcyclesandmisfits at gmail.com. And before we go, I would like to make an announcement about um, Emma's Adventures for 2023 so as you know i'm actually doing um two adventures in europe and one further afield which i'm actually going to announce a little later in the year um but it is in the far east it's going to be an epic adventure however i'm turning my attention right now to the european trip so there's two trips i cannot say that clearly enough there is the um dolomites training tour which is a wonderful tour in itself. Um, It's in um, Germany, Austria, Italy. Ride the Dolomites. You're riding brilliant bikes. You're going to have an absolutely brilliant time. The second tour, which is the second week in July, both of these tours can be found on Layard Escapes. This is the Castles and Curves tour. And one hour ago, I got, um, and I know he's so excited about this because... He sent me the email as soon as he did. Castles and Curves, final night on the road, will be in the Burg Kolmberg. This is a 13th century castle turned into a small hotel. Cool. The rooms are reserved. Where the hell else are you going to be able to stay in a 13th century castle? Um, and uh, we have reserved 
spaces. There are two spots left. Just two spots Do left. Do they have modern plumbing? <coughs> I believe so. <laughs> Not just a shit all out the side of the castle. It's a window. Yes, it is a window. <laughs> it was modern Well, I mean, it's as modern. <laughs> it, the plumbing is as modern as it was on the Queen Mary. Um, there's only two spots left. Sign up for it. It is less money than you think. It's a million-dollar experience for like 2800 bucks. You can't go wrong. Link in the show notes, or you can go to Laod Escapes, L-E-O-D, escapes.com. Uh, that wraps it up. I think let's get out of here. I got some uh, editing to do. Uh, but thanks, everyone, for sticking with us. Uh, you guys are the bomb. This is Liza. Douglas. Emma, darling. Thank you, Jim, son. And we are out of here. Cool, cool. cool.